All right, welcome into episode 11 of Sam and Gabby's Fantasy Football Show. I'm your host, Samuel Bigelow, here with Gabby Mozipo. A crazy week of fantasy football for me personally last week. I uh, only won my matchup in our main league by two points, uh, so wild for me. Made it through with a win, though. I'm excited to be looking forward to next week. Gabby, how are you doing this week? How was your matchup last week, uh, and how are we feeling? Uh, we're feeling pretty good today. Um, matchup in the main league looked pretty good. We got a, a win over the number one team to become to become the number one team again. So all in all, feels pretty good just looking in t- to go into this week. Uh, really looking – this is the time of year that we are really looking to retool our team and make pushes towards the playoff, have a little bit of an eye towards those playoff matchups and see what players we're looking to have, which ones we're looking to move off of. This is the time to make those decisions. Yeah, you got to be looking ahead. Uh, you're always one who's on top of that. Definitely, definitely smart to be looking ahead, especially if you're in your kind of position where you're in first place. But uh, we'll kind of get into the nitty gritty here of what you uh, kind of guys you should be looking ahead for. Uh, but first things first, reach out to us on Twitter. We're at SG Fantasy Show. Uh, we'll be doing start decisions about an hour before kickoff. So if you have anything you're, uh, you want to ask us, just send it. Send it to us on Twitter. Again, that's SG or at SG Fantasy Show. And uh, we'd love to answer your questions and help you out on Sundays. Um, moving on to our main second, our first section here um, our news and notes. Just for starters, we're recording this podcast on Wednesday night. It's uh, November 10th. So all news is just current as of, as of now, Wednesday evening. So you'll probably be hearing this Thursday or later uh, in the week. So uh, just remember, everything's just as of now, uh, as of Wednesday. So um, moving into our first thing, uh, Odell Beckham, he's a free agent now, as we talked about on the last podcast. Uh, he says he's still a few days away from making a decision, or at least that's what NFL Network is reporting. But, Gabby, I was just wondering, do you have any, do you have any favorites, anything, anywhere you're wondering or anywhere you're thinking he might land, anywhere you're thinking Odell Beckham might be a, a good fit for? Um, I'm reading that Green Bay might be a choice that he's looking towards right now. I saw some reports that that's his number one choice, but uh, they've offered him a veteran minimum contract. And from a fantasy perspective, that's the team I would want him to go to. Um, I think there with an elite quarterback such as Aaron Rodgers and a, a weapon as Devontae Adams taking away uh, number one coverage, I think that's a position where OBJ is able to get his six to ten targets a game and still be very effective. Yeah, I think uh, ideally, I mean, I haven't really heard any rumors, but I mean, Green Bay would be good, but uh, I haven't heard anybody reporting that Buffalo would be in the mix, but that's a place I'd love to see him go. Um, him and Josh Allen, it'd be, it'd be a good number two weapon there that they could really use, especially how they're, uh, with how their offense has been stymied lately, but you know, only putting up six points against Jacksonville with a disappointment this week. But um, moving on to our injuries and news and notes for the week. We got uh, just some Tampa Bay updates. Chris Godwin, he's got a foot injury. Uh, this is pretty disappointing just because Antonio Brown is nursing a foot injury. Gronk is nursing a rib injury. And they're both questionable going into next week. Uh, it sounds like they both probably won't play. So that would have been really great news for Chris Godwin. But 
Um, is reported as his status being uncertain for Sunday. So uh, not necessarily going to be able to rely on him, but if he is able to go, he'd be a great option. Um, especially if Antonio Brown and Gronk are down. Um, so keep an eye on that situation, monitor it. Um, Mike Evans is going to be boosted pretty much regardless, but you were already starting him anyways. So uh, Nick Chubb, he goes, he's going to be out likely with uh, testing positive for COVID. It's unclear if he'll play or not, but sounds like it's trending towards probably not. So if he does not play, Dearness Johnson will get another start. And Dearness Johnson was excellent in his last game as a starter. So uh, you can expect that if he is able to get the start, he will be a, a, a definitely a, a running back two at the least, even against New England, which has a pretty strong, staunch defense. Uh, Sam Darnold, quarterback who was playing terrible. So really not any that any news that's that impactful for fantasy, but he's out for four to six weeks with a shoulder injury. Gabby, do you think this affects Carolina's offense at all? No, Sam has been playing so bad over the last month or so that I think it only goes up from there. I agree. I think this really doesn't matter at all for players like DJ Moore. I mean, like you said, it literally can only be up from there. So, uh, we'll see how it goes. Really disappointing uh, after how hot of a start they had. Um, Sam Darnold was actually looking pretty good at the beginning of the season, but they have tanked really, really hard these last few weeks. So uh, tough to get worse than that. Uh, moving on to our next guy, Tua. He's got a finger injury. He could definitely miss the game on Thursday, um, and it looks like he's probably leaning that way. I mean, it's a finger injury in his throwing hand that's uh, pretty important for a quarterback, obviously. Uh, Jacoby Brissett would obviously be the backup there. Um, so, again, not that huge of a downgrade, but somewhat of a downgrade at least. Um, yeah, so keep an eye on that, if, if especially if you're uh, looking to play any of the Miami uh, pass catchers. But um, Mike Gusecki might even be boosted if Jacoby Brissett starts. He is known to uh, be a favorite of Jacoby Brissett. So, uh, that situation shouldn't be too impactful to your options, but um, it would downgrade most receivers um, if Jacoby Brissett is the starter. Um, moving on to our next matchup here, uh, or our next player, Russell Wilson. He's a full participant in practice this week, uh, or on Wednesday, and the rest of this week. He's expected to play uh, this Sunday against Green Bay, so I expect him to be back to his full self. I expect him to be full go. Uh, Gabby, do you expect any different? Do you expect him to be limited to lean on the run, or do you expect to see just regular Russell Wilson this week? I expect him to be Mr. Unlimited this week. So um, he'll be <clears throat> unleashed completely in regards, I think. be. I don't think he'd be cleared unless the Seahawks are comfortable having him be Russell Wilson again. And we've seen that he's had shown a commitment to being healthy, so – I think this is a full go for him. Uh, definitely agreed. Uh, Tyler Lockett is actually my best of the rest start of the week this week. He's been ranked pretty low by most of the major uh, major fantasy experts out there. So I just want to make sure people out there know they should have full confidence in uh, Tyler Lockett. I expect it to be regular Seahawks out there. Uh, Chris Carson actually looks like he might be back in this game as well. So it might be just full Seahawks full go this week so um i would expect russell wilson to be 
uh, not limited at all in the game and looked like himself for the most part. But uh, on to our next couple of people here. We got Chase Claypool, who's had a who has a toe injury that was looking pretty scary at first, and people were thinking it might be season ending, but it seems like it's going to be more week to week. Uh, he'll likely be out this week. He didn't practice today, um, but it's not 100% confirmed if he will be out. Uh, but reports are that he's trending on the negative side of uh, questionable, so unlikely to play, but could return sooner than or much sooner than people thought initially. So that's. I guess, relatively good news. Uh, Aaron Rodgers, he should play this week. Uh, Lots of controversy around him and having COVID and his uh, self-treatment, I guess. Uh, We won't get too much into that, but uh, Aaron Rodgers looks like he should play. It's not 100% confirmed. He himself said that there is a slight chance he does not play this Sunday, Uh, but everything seems to be trending uh, towards Aaron Rodgers playing, and I would not expect him to be limited either. Uh, any, any notes on any of those players you want to get in real quick, Gabby, before we move on to our judging the waiver wire segment? Um, I wanted to just give a quick note on Aaron Rodgers that you should have a backup plan just because we won't know until Saturday what his status will be. He has to pass, uh, some sort of physicals, uh, to be clear to return and he has to not test positive for COVID. So that's another thing. I think people are just assuming he will not test positive in 10 days, which he seems to be fine based off of the interview he gave with Pat McAfee. But that's, that is an issue as well because he, he tested positive for COVID. He wasn't like a close contact. So I would have a backup plan just in case um, Aaron Rodgers is not able to go on Sunday. Yeah, that's a great point, Gabby. I completely agree. Um, definitely don't count on him playing, so – uh, and if I'm, if I'm correct, I do believe they play on Sunday night. So, uh, no, they don't, they play in the afternoon window. So I guess you do have, uh, you do have some time. You can wait if one of your, if your backup option is in the later window, but if your backup option, um, is in the earlier window and it's somehow not confirmed yet, um, I would go with the, the backup option, but Uh, I would expect it's probably confirmed before that, whether or not it'll play. But moving on to our judging the waiver wire segment, uh, Dearness Johnson is a player we already mentioned, Browns running back who is likely to start this week as long as Nick Chubb uh, does not pass the COVID protocols, which it looks like he is unlikely to do. Uh, So Dearness Johnson would be a great play at running back. He'd be a great start uh, for this week. And so if you really need a guy for just one week, he's a great pickup. Uh, But if you don't, if you don't need a guy this week, you're not going to start him. You have two really good running backs and don't need a flex for this week or are just in need of more of, more of a consistent guy. I would probably say he's definitely not going to be your, your number one pickup, but uh, he's a great start for just this week. Um, Gabby, I would imagine you probably feel the same way on that. Um, but is there anything else you wanted to mention about Dearness Johnson? No, not really. I think he's a guy that should have been 100% rostered, just given the fact that the Browns are such a run-heavy team and Kareem Hunt hasn't returned yet. So um, he definitely should be on rosters, and given that Chubb is, like you mentioned previously, is out with COVID, um, I think he could be a great play this week. I definitely think he should be He's going to be a top 20 running back. He's like kind of like the uh, Nick Chubb handcuff I guess right now as long as Kareem Hunt's out who 
is supposed to be out for uh, – is not looking like he's coming back anytime soon necessarily. I don't know exactly what that means. Could be another week out. Could be another couple weeks out. Could be longer. Uh, but I would expect he probably misses – he is confirmed to likely miss this week. Uh, and then sounds like he'll miss the next week as well. And then maybe you could be a little bit more hopeful. But uh, we don't know when Kareem Hunt will return. Doesn't sound like it's going to be anytime super soon. So Dearness Johnson definitely needs to be rostered until Kareem Hunt is back and fully healthy. Uh, Brandon Ayuk is the next guy I wanted to talk about. He's been picking it up a lot lately. He had eight targets last week, seven targets the week before. That was good for six receptions and four receptions, respectively. 18 uh, fantasy points and 10 fantasy points, respectively. He's kind of looking like the guy we thought he was going to be when we drafted him. Are you taking the plunge, Gabby? How are we feeling on Brandon Ayuk? I mean, I personally, I'm just, I love his talent. I don't know why he wasn't getting used. I'm taking, I'm looking to pick him up. I was looking to pick him up for sure this week. Uh, Gabby, how do you feel about Brandon Ayuk? Uh, I put in a claim for him in most leagues, but I'm not really so eager on the outlook as much as we were in the beginning of the season. Like, I think the outlook of him being a top 30 wide receiver is out, but being the wide receiver too, um, like in San Fran or just being a guy in general is definitely in the picture, especially because he still has a talent. I think uh, we've seen over the last couple of weeks that he's gotten out of Kyle Shanahan's doghouse. And so able, and he's also been way more consistent now having seven and eight targets, like you said, in the previous two games but one thing to consider is that this team is uh with this team is that there's going to be a quarterback change here i think in in the near future and it's going to become trey lance to show just because the 49ers haven't really been playing that good of football here recently and if they start losing a couple more games then you start asking yourself when you're going to start looking towards the future and if there's a quarterback change i think there's going to be a downgrade for all the pass catchers in this offense so, yes, Brandon Ayuk's going to be a good waiver wire ad this week, but I'm not necessarily getting my hopes up as much as I was in the preseason. That's a fair point. I think that's a really good point to bring up, actually. Uh, that's a good point to consider. And I think part of the reason I'm so high on Brandon Ayuk this week, relatively, is just because of how poor the rest of the waiver wire is this week. Um, so he's top there as one of, or up there as one of my top waiver wire ads, just mostly because of the waiver wire being slim pickings, but uh, I really think he could be utilized for quite a while and be good for fantasy or at least relatively good, a good flex play, good flex fill in. I don't know when, when Jimmy Garoppolo is going to get benched. I don't necessarily see it happening anytime super soon. I, I don't know when it's going to happen and I'm not going to necessarily bet on it happening soon. I, so I'm, I'm going to play Brandon Ayuk and just expect that it's going to continue to be Jimmy Garoppolo uh, because there's no guarantee that Trey Lance gets in. Um, and it's hard It's hard for me to bet on something I don't. Uh, I'm not confident that uh, Trey Lance gets in anytime soon, I guess is what I'm trying to say. So I'm playing – I'm getting Brandon Ayuk and hoping that he can be relevant for a, a good chunk of the remainder of the season. Uh, moving on to our next guy, Elijah Moore. Uh, Corey Davis was out the last two games, so that's something to keep in mind here when I say 
saves, but he had 27 fantasy points last week. He did get two touchdowns. They had 30 points against a Colts defense that just trying to hold them from getting 45. So, you know, not necessarily facing the toughest defensive scheme in that game. They're probably playing all pre-vet. But he did get two touchdowns, 27 uh, fantasy points. He had eight targets last game, six in the two previous games. He's being utilized heavily in not just last game, the two previous ones as well. Um, in week eight against Cincinnati, he had 13 fantasy points. So he's been a guy that's been pretty good these last few weeks. Corey Davis, though, out the last two games. Gabby, I, I'm curious. Do you think Elijah Moore is going to continue to be putting up fantasy relevant numbers now that Corey Davis looks like he might be or is likely to be back this week. He was a reportedly full throttle practice today. Do you think Elijah Moore is going to go back to a relevancy or do you think that Elijah Moore is a, a worthy pickup that's going to stick around for a while? What are you thinking? I think he'll stick around for a while just because the Jets are such a bad team and they're looking for playmakers. And we heard the buzz in the preseason and we know with rookies it just takes – in the second half of the year, they're going to be better. We, it takes a couple of games to get used to the NFL. So I definitely think even when Corey Davis gets back, that Elijah Moore is going to have a target share. I do think this was going to be his biggest game of the year when we when it's all said and done, just two touchdowns and a blowout loss. Um, I don't think you're going to be able to count on doing that again. But it was nice to see Elijah Moore be explosive. And if you watch that game, he did everything that we – thought he was able to do coming out of college. So his college skill set translated to the NFL really well. And I I definitely think that's something that could grow over the next uh, half season. I agree. I do think he's going to just be being a rookie. I think they're going to want to continue to use him. I am, I am concerned about Corey Davis coming back and I do see a world where Elijah Moore stops producing for fantasy, but I see it kind of like you do. Um, I do think that they're going to want to use Elijah Moore because he's a playmaker. So um, I would be picking him up and just hoping. But I think that's also uh, – he, he has some doubt, which is kind of the same as Brandon Ayuk. You, you know, you, we just talked about how Trey Lance might get in. Um, and so that's just the negatives that they both have. And that's why the one that I'm betting more on is that Trey Lance doesn't get in, and that's why I probably would be hoping to get Brandon Ayuk ahead of Elijah Moore this week, But um, and just because the Jets are bad. But the Jets are going to have to pass for that reason, so uh, they will be there will be targets to go around, and Elijah Moore could very well uh, continue to get his fair share. Uh, but moving on to Donovan Peoples-Jones, uh, wide receiver for the Cleveland Browns, 16 fantasy points last week. He only had three targets, so he's not going to get a ton of targets. He just had a big play or two, um, but with no Odell Beckham Jr., um, how interested are you in Donovan Peoples-Jones, Gabby? He's a deeper league ad for me uh, just because he's the second option in the Browns offense, and we know as the Browns offense, it's a run-heavy offense, but uh, he has shown that he has big play ability and has good upside in certain matchups over the week. So I think he's a speculative ad in 12 or team leagues or deeper, but um, I'm not necessarily extremely high on that total year outlook compared to what maybe his numbers suggest. I'm interested in him as like a, a kind of guy that you put in 
looking for uh, some big plays, almost like a like a Van Jefferson who are gonna who is also a potential uh, waiver wire ad this week who's been getting far, five targets a game with the Rams. Uh, but people like Van Jefferson, Deshaun uh, Jackson, I see them all similarly to Donovan Peoples-Jones, whereas there are guys that could very well get you zero or just a couple points and be very disappointing. Uh, but they could also get you plus 15, uh, 20 points, uh, get you some big plays, get you some touchdowns, get you some deep balls. Um, and Donovan Peoples-Jones, is, has a huge role opportunity uh, with Odell Beckham gone. So uh, I think he'll step into that new role and his numbers will continue to go up. Uh, he has shown that he has good chemistry with Baker Mayfield already, even when OBJ was there. So I, I have, I have a, definitely a higher uh, outlook on Donovan Peoples-Jones, but again, he's just one of those guys right now that has the opportunity to get you a huge play and, you're not feeling um, is going to be overly consistent for you, but I do think he is somebody who could, could potentially change into that. Uh, so I'd be maybe adding him as a fringe uh, 10 team player, but I could definitely see him not being added in a league that size. Um, but in like a 12 man league, I would probably expect him to be rostered. Um, Van Jefferson mentioned him again. Just wanted to say, um, averaging five targets a game or over five five targets a game in the Rams. And he has really a big play potential. So he's another interesting ad in a deep league. Uh, Jordan Howard, he's had three touchdowns in the last two games, but he is not getting targets. Uh, But Jordan Howard, a desperation running back too. Uh, Personally, I was faced with the decision between Naeem Hines and uh, Jordan Howard and I picked Naeem Hines. Um, it is a PPR league, but uh, Jordan Howard is just touchdown upside. Looks like he's for sure going to be the goal line back in Philadelphia right now uh, for the foreseeable future until uh, Miles Sanders gets back. But are you, how high are you, uh, Gabby, on Jordan Howard in a deep league? Or do you think you, do you think a better option is somebody like Naeem Hines or would you be, Feeling, are you feeling confident that Jordan Howard can get you like eight points, 10 points? What are you thinking? Uh, I would be leaning towards a Jordan Howard just because Philadelphia has shown like consist, consistency to run the ball. And Jordan Howard's look good, man. So I, I would lean Jordan Howard there. Just the pure volume would get over the top. And Naeem Hines, you're, you're kind of throwing at the dart wall and chasing the big week last weekend. I wouldn't be playing Naeem Hines just because he had the week last week. Um, there, I don't think Naeem Hines has ever had two good weeks back-to-back, so I would be kind of playing that trend as well and actually fading him for Jordan Howard this week, if, personally. I think uh, Naeem Hines is kind of a good indicator of, like, the, the most, like, he's kind of just a fringe RB2 desperation guy, and that's that's why part of the reason I think he's a good a good – uh, comparison, but Jordan Howard did get 17 carries last week. I mean, I think the fear is just that he uh, gets no receptions at all, didn't get a single catch in either of the last two games, doesn't get that high of a snap percentage, under 40% of both of the last two games. Um, and if he doesn't go into the end zone, he's pretty, pretty low scoring. So um, I guess I just feel like 
you're betting on a touchdown from both of those guys, and Nine Pines might get you a couple catches um, to boot. Uh, but Jordan Howard's just a touchdown. So I think they're both a shot in the dark. So I think they're pretty close. Um, but like I said, I had picked Nine Pines. But Jordan Howard, uh, right around that, that range. I guess me and Gabby disagree on where exactly he would fall. Uh, so if you're in that situation like me, um, mine's in a 10-man 10, 10, 10 league, so uh, a situation that others could be in, deciding between two players like that. Um, you can decide for yourself based off the, that information there. So uh, next guy is Pat Fryermuth. He's been awesome these last few games. He had uh, over 12 fantasy points and at least six targets in each of his last three games. Uh, Eric Ebron has been out since week six, though. Uh, week seven, they did have a bye. Uh, but since then, Pat Fryermuth has been dominating, uh, or at least, well, not dominating, but doing great as far as tight ends go, at least. Um, and, yeah, I personally have been excited to start it. But with Eric Ebron coming back, how are you feeling, Gabby? Is Pat Fryermuth going to continue to put up his numbers? Is he a guy fantasy owners should be excited to roster and be starting, even with Eric Ebron back? Or are you expecting him to drop off? Should fantasy owners be trying to sell high? Um, I would be holding right now just because we've now seen it for two uh, consecutive weeks now. And tight ends are so rare that if you're able to find even a slight sort of uh, any slight sign of life with a tight end, you got to ride it. So I wouldn't be looking to trade Pat Fryermuth at all. I would be looking to definitely ride this. And I, with the departure of Juju Smith-Schuster, we've seen the correlation with Pat Fryermuth being a more productive tight end. So I think that trend can uh, continue throughout the year. And I don't think it's a blip by any means. I agree. I don't think that the Steelers think that they're uh, going to win the Super Bowl by any means this year. So uh, I think they'd want to develop a young player like Pat Fryermuth, who's a fan favorite. Um, so, and Eric Ebron is not overly talented. Uh, he's pretty athletic, good for the past game, but he's not going to be a long-term piece for this team. So even when he comes back, I expect them to use Pat Fryermuth consistently, but uh, personally, if there, I had another option who I was deciding between uh, Pat Fryermuth and maybe another tight end, I would probably be fading uh, Pat Fryermuth when Eric Ebron comes back, just, just on the off chance that they do for some reason give Eric Ebron a, somewhat of a role or just enough to take away from Pat Fryermuth. Um, just see what happens in that first week and then go from there. But um, if you're in a, in a pinch or don't have any super attractive other options, you could still go Pat Fryermuth and uh, probably be in pretty good shape still. So uh, moving on to our next guy, Justin Fields, a quarterback, uh, a guy, if you're in a deeper league or a, court, a league where quarterbacks are rostered pretty heavily, um, you might be interested in uh, last week, 18 fantasy points against Pittsburgh the week before 25 points against San, uh, San Francisco. He's starting to get to, to use his legs more, starting to run in the offense. He's looked really good these last couple of weeks. He's interesting for sure in a two-quarterback league. But, Gabby, if you're in like a, a 12 or a 10-man league, is he shown enough to be rostered? Are you trying to pick him up? Because if you don't pick him up now, if he continues this, he's for sure going to get picked up in leagues. But are you trying to pick him up now in those kind of leagues? Um. 
Yeah, I picked him up in our two quarterback league. Wow. Well, like t- ten or t- ten or twelve man single quarterback leagues. I think uh, pretty confidently he's a he's a two quarterback league pickup. He's looked so good for sure. But uh, what about like uh, smaller one quarterback leagues? Do you think he's worth that flyer? I mean, if he continues to use his legs like this, he'll be a quarterback one. So, what do you uh, what do you think? No, I just don't think there's enough passing game work there to constitute a. 10 or even a 12 quarterback team ad maybe a speculative quarterback ad if you have a guy like um who's struggling right now maybe like even like a ryan Tannehill, somebody that you might be scared of who's on the back end of that list but no we've seen it now for six weeks and yeah he's improved a little bit but his weapons have just not really been producing and there's not a lot of passing yard workage there yes he's running the ball and he looked pretty explosive on monday but um, the consistency is going to come with him throwing the ball. And I don't don't see a philosophy change to that extreme where Matt Nagy is going to consistently give him the ball 10 to 12 times to run it on, like, design quarterback runs. So unless there's a complete change in philosophy, um, I, don't, I don't think that's an ad in 12 or 10 quarterback leagues. I mean, I definitely think there's that potential. I think if you're somehow in a situation where you don't feel you have a quarterback one already on your roster, or if you don't, if you literally don't have a statistically quarterback number one on your roster, um, I would maybe be adding him. I guess it depends on how your league is uh, set up and how the kind of your culture of your league is. Are a lot of quarterbacks rostered? How and how are you doing in that situation? So um, I might, I could see myself doing that. Uh, but I'm not definitely not rushing out to do it. And I, I have a guy like Tom Brady, um, and I wouldn't be doing it. Um, if I'm in a quarterback streaming situation, maybe I, I'm not doing it either um, this, this week because he's on bye this week, so maybe you wait. Um, but after that, maybe you pick him up. Uh, but he, you're not going to feel confident unless he does it another couple weeks. He's been super good with the carries he has gotten. I mean – in, in week eight, he got 10 carries for 103 yards and a touchdown, so really impressive. But he's been getting uh, increased passing game usage these last few weeks, um, which is not going to be enough to make him a relevant quarterback on its own. It's got to be in the run game, too, like you mentioned. But there's some really good signs, um, and so I'm curious. I'm cu- definitely intrigued by him. And if I'm in a situation where I don't feel like I have a quarterback one, I'm definitely considering making that uh, – making that that ad if, if quarterback's the weakness of my roster um but it's probably a pretty specific situation but definitely got to keep your your eye on because if he continues to do this he will be a quarterback one and a must add um in for teams that have a low end quarterback one before him so uh or worse so uh moving on to our final segment or, or our final group of people here or person uh, Gabby, is there anything you wanted to add on Justin Fields before we did that? No, no, no. Okay, great. Uh, Russell Gage, last guy here. Uh, we mentioned Falcons receivers last week. Turns out the guy that was used last week was uh, Russell Gage and uh, ended up getting seven targets uh, for – or seven catches for, on eight targets, I believe it was, versus New Orleans for 64 yards. Um, he had 13 fantasy points. So he was utilized a fair amount. I wouldn't be starting him by any means, but not the worst ad if you're 
uh, in a in a pinch. Uh, but definitely nobody gets super excited about. Uh, but the targets, like I we talked about last week, have to go somewhere, and uh, seems like it's going to be Russell Gage right now. So if you're in need, probably a deeper league situation. But if you're in need of a wide receiver, uh, Russell Gage is far from the worst option you can get. Uh, Taji Sharp only got, I believe, one target last week. Um, didn't do anything for fantasy, so guy you can drop if you added him and don't worry about picking him up if you didn't. So, uh, any pieces you wanted to mention? Any waiver wire pickups we missed? Anything, any last bits you uh, wanted to mention on anybody we talked about, Gabby, before we move on to our main portion here and our matchups? Looking through the document, no, I think we covered uh, everybody that we needed to talk about here. Not a lot here in waiver wires this week, but yeah, yeah, I uh, did not. I, I I'm very surprised that I've uh, gotten to the point where I'm excited about Brandon Ayuk again. Um, I thought he was going to be dead and gone after we. I personally, in some leagues, spent so much draft capital on it, but he is arguably the. One of the top waiver wire pickups this week, uh, definitely one or two for me, um, and a guy that I added in most of my leagues if I could. So it's crazy how fantasy works. A guy that you were high on, you drop, and then it all comes around again, and he's definitely a guy you're looking to pick up again. So weird world of fantasy um, and slim pickings this week for sure. But um, moving to our matchups, we've got our first matchup on Thursday. Uh, coming out tomorrow, we got the Ravens playing the Dolphins, which uh, going into the season looked like it was going to be a great one, uh, but it has turned out to be a rough season for the Dolphins. The Ravens should pretty handily uh, beat them this week. Um, Thursdays can be weird sometimes, though, so you never know, but uh, should be a Ravens win. Uh, Rashad Bateman, just a reminder, he is rostered in less leagues than he should be. Um, he sh- I think he's getting uh, – more picked up more and more, but uh, he should be rostered if he's available. Um, and yeah, he's a s- solid play if you are in a, or not a solid play. He's a desperation play if you're looking to play him now, but uh, is not the worst play. But you're playing Hollywood, you're playing Lamar. Um, I'm probably staying away from that Ravens backfield. There is some excitement around uh, Devontae Freeman. That would be if, if uh, Latavius Murray is not able to play. It uh, looks like he's questionable this week. So maybe Devontae Freeman is a running back two in a pinch if Latavius doesn't go. But uh, other than that, I'm not playing any more Ravens other than or Mark Andrews, of course. Um, and then on the Dolphins side, I think you could probably start some of the pass catchers because they'll be down. Uh, I would be starting Mike Kosecki. He's my best of the rest start of the week at tight end this week. Um, Baltimore allows the second most fantasy points to tight ends. Uh, Jacoby Brissett has been known to hyper target him at times. Um, Mike Gusecki has been averaging 12.3 fantasy points this week. And he's, he's actually the tight end three this week. So um, against a, a weak Baltimore defense against tight ends, you should be playing him. Um, and he's actually been pretty consistent this year. So Mike Gusecki should be a really good play. Um, Jalen Waddle. Should be a solid play. Gabby, do you do you think you'd be playing Jalen Waddle or how are you feeling Jalen about Jalen Waddle? Uh flex play higher or lower than that? What are you thinking? Um, I think it's a flex play this week given uh the Dolphins lack of 
outside weapons. Uh, Baltimore isn't that great of a pass defense compared to what they've been in years past. So I definitely think there's an opportunity there to exploit it. Um, we even saw with Jacoby Brissett last week that he was able to catch eight. Uh, it had eight receptions for 83 yards on 10 targets. And he has a piece of this offense. And the interesting thing with Jalen Waddle is that he's being hyper-targeted. And we know he's one of the most explosive players in the NFL. And he still hasn't really had that welcome to the NFL explosive moment yet. So um, I'm, I own Jalen Waddle in a couple weeks. So I'm kind of waiting to see when that kind of plays out. But I definitely think he's an interesting flex play this week um, by any means. But I wanted to touch on also um, just the Dolphins. They don't run the ball at all. Um, I heard an interesting stat that I just wanted to highlight here just to – I've been – we've been talking about it a little bit in previous episodes about how the Dolphins are lead the league in pass percentages. But I wanted to let you know just – Here's a stat that I heard um, today about Miles Gaskin that kind of blows your mind if you weren't watching that Dolphins game. Um, Sam, do you know how many carries Miles Gaskins had on um, Sunday? <laughs> yes, I actually I do know. I did hear the the stat actually. I know he had twenty carries. Yes, and he had twenty carries for thirty four yards. Meaning, so that the Dolphins do run the ball; they just are absolutely, uh, legendarily bad at it. Yeah, they are legendary. <laughs> and if I'm not mistaken, the reason why they were running the ball so much in that game was because they were winning because they were playing Houston. And if I'm not mistaken. I mean, somebody told them Houston was a team you could run on, and they they thought it was going to be a lot easier than it was, obviously, because it never worked for them. Yeah, it definitely never worked. So the offensive line is, yeah, they won the game. So they were running the ball out, and I don't see that happening again versus the Ravens. So I think there's going to be a lot more passing opportunities here. So I definitely think Jalen Waddle's becoming a safe PPR play, and that is scary given his speed. So. Yeah, yeah, for sure. He definitely is uh, as a he's fairly safe, and he's I mean, obviously, super explosive, super high upside. So, um, one of the more interesting players to uh, have on your roster for sure. Um, moving on to our next matchup here, unless there's stop me if there's anything else you wanted to add, but I think we can move on to our next matchup here, our first of the ten o'clock window, uh, Saints to Titans. Uh, the Titans have looked really good even without Derrick Henry last week um, playing the Rams, I believe. So looks like Adrian Peterson is probably going to be the lead back there um, in Tennessee, which is uh, comes as a surprise to this podcast. I mean, um, I think I mentioned that it could happen, but I think we both were more Jeremy McNichols guys uh, or predicted that Jeremy, Jeremy McNichols would have more of a workload, especially um, in the passing game, but it was, Definitely Adrian Peterson, who got the bulk of the touches, especially on the goal line. Um, Saints have a really good defense, but uh, they showed they could be scored on last week. The, the Falcons scored a, over 20 on them, so uh, they can be scored on. Titans, I expect them to do fairly well. Uh, A.J. Brown's definitely a play. I'd probably be playing Adrian Peterson as a low-end RB2, uh, maybe, maybe a little bit lower, a flex, but 
Adrian Peterson is definitely a, a solid play this week. Uh, if you're in need of a running back, um, and yeah, on the Saints side, it's not clear who the starting quarterback is going to be, but if Taysom Hill is the starter, I would love to be playing him. Uh, maybe, maybe hold off for a week and see him as a starter, but his rushing upside is just going to give you at least a, a solid floor. So if he is in the game, he is a, a solid start. Um, Alvin Kamara, solid start. Uh, Mark Ingram, I think, is an underrated, uh, is underratedly involved in this team and could be used in a desperation situation. Uh, but as soon as he got there, he started getting carries. Um, he got 34% of the snaps last week. He got nine carries and he got five targets. So he's involved fairly heavily in both the passing and run game. It's kind of a desperation play at running back if you need one, but um, definitely needs to be owned because if Alan Kamara goes down, he will be getting a ton of usage. Um, but on his own now, he's actually – got some value even if he remains the backup so uh mark ingram is an interesting ad and should definitely be owned if you're the alvin kamara owner um and probably even if you're not but uh gabby anything in this matchup that you wanted to talk about um no uh, i just wanted to touch on like alvin kamara yeah he had a slight knee injury going into the Wednesday that he was in the tent for for a little bit. They've been working out some running backs as well. So just to keep an eye out, like you said earlier, on Mark Ingram. And uh, the Saints passing offense has been atrocious. And maybe Odell comes and spells some of that. But if that doesn't – That would be insane. Yeah. If that doesn't happen, um, if you haven't cut Marquez Cowboy yet, please do so. <laughs> um, it's – doesn't look like it's going to get better anytime soon. So, no, it's going to be the Taysom Hill show or the Trevor Simeon show for the rest of the season. And uh, that's not going to be good for fantasy. That's for sure. Um, I think the Titans have a great defense if you're looking to play, um, looking for a defense to play this week. So, yeah, that's the last thing I wanted to add in that matchup. So, moving on to our next matchup here, the Bills coming off. A shocking defeat to the Jaguars. The Bills are playing the Jets this week. I expect to bounce back at least of sorts from the Bills. Um, so I would expect a pretty big game uh, from them, but they did not look good last week offensively. Still a good defensive outing. I mean, only allowed nine points. Bills defense still a great start. Probably owned in your league, though. Um, yeah, you could probably start all the Bills. If you had any Bills that you were starting previously, I would not be dissuaded by the poor fantasy output last week. I would continue to start those guys if you were starting them last week um, at about that same level. You could see them getting ahead and looking to try to run the ball, but I think we all know by now the Bills have no run offense, so they'll probably pass it no matter what happens. So pretty sure that all those guys are pretty safe plays. I expect them to bounce back. Um, on the Jets' side, we've talked a lot about Elijah Moore already. Uh, Corey Davis looks like he should be back this week. Both should be pretty solid plays. Mike White looks like he'll be the quarterback. So Michael Carter is a fine uh, fringe RB2 play. Um, fine play for if you're looking for a, a guy there, he should get some dump off passes from Mike White, um, or at least that's what he showed in the one game. He was the starter for the full game. Um, Gabby, is there anything you wanted to touch on in this matchup? 
Um, are you nervous about the Bills after a poor outing against Miami last week? Um, but what are you thinking? Or Jacksonville, excuse me, a poor outing against Jacksonville last week. Um, or did you have anything different you wanted to mention about the Jets? Uh, just is there anything you wanted to add there? Um, n- no, I I do want to add a little bit with Buffalo in terms of their just plethora of weapons and ineptitude to run the ball. Um, I don't – you think they have a plethora of weapons? Yeah, I think they have one of the best wide receiver cores, um, top bottom, like top six or seven when you start thinking about it. I know a little bit uh, off camera, we've had discussions before about the Bills wide receiver core. You guys have talked about um, having maybe like an Odell Beckham Jr. join, but my argument there is where are the targets coming from? When you have a guy such as such as Stefan Diggs, who's demanding 140, 150 targets a year. Then you have Emmanuel Sanders. Then you have Cole Beasley. So those are three guys there that are – Stefan Diggs is obviously the number one, and Emmanuel still needs to get his, and Cole still needs to get his. And that's even before we start start talking about guys such as Gabriel Davis, who needs to get a little bit of his, maybe not on the level of those three guys. And then the emergence of Dawson Knox. So when a guy like Odell Beckham is going to – hypothetically join this offense where are those targets going to come from I think this wide receiver core is loaded and I don't think the wide receivers are the issues by any means I think their inability to run the football and everybody it's kind of like Kansas City it would a little bit everybody's playing cover two versus these guys and just sitting back and not wanting to get beat deep and Buffalo's not able to dink it dunk it or run the football so they're not able to take advantage of what they're what is happening and that's how you get beat by Jacksonville. I, I have to disagree in, on a few things. Um, I, I've kind of grown to think that the Buffalo receiving core is pretty average. I mean, keep in mind that Dawson Knox, he's, he's been out these last couple of weeks and I expect his return to make a big difference, but Emmanuel Sanders, he's 34 years old. I mean, he's fine. He's been doing solid, but he's not super explosive and in a team like Kansas city, which I agree, they're very much like Kansas city right now. They've figured out they're not getting it done, but Kansas city in the past has been getting it done because they have big play, uh, big play receivers. I mean, Travis Kelsey included Tyree kill, huge, big play guy. Uh, Of course, Stephon Diggs kind of plays a similar role with the bills, but, the rest of the Chiefs receivers are just super fast guys or have been in the past when they were successful. Um, Emmanuel Sanders, I mean, he's solid. He's a fine receiver. Cole Beasley, I mean, he's even slower, even less of a big play guy. I think they're both fine receivers, but they're average receivers. And in an offense where you have, like you mentioned, no run game, we can definitely agree on that. You need to have something a bit more. And I think Odell comes in and takes, takes targets away from – Emmanuel Sanders and Cole Beasley to answer your question. And I think he would be a much, a much more explosive option out on the field. And you wouldn't be, you'd be only improving by putting Odell out there and taking targets away from uh, Sanders or Beasley personally, in my opinion. Uh, so that's what I, why I think they'd be a good match. I haven't heard really any rumors about that, but I think they'd be a good match. And I think that's, kind of a, a way to fix the 
the Bills offense if you can't – I mean, what are they going to do in the run game? They can't go out and get a new offensive line. Um, there's not any running backs available. They can't make a trade. So they can't fix the run game. They could add Odell Beckham, though. So they could do something to increase the effectiveness of the pass game. Um, yeah, and so that's – problem. I just don't think the Bills' problem is that they're unable to pass the football more. I mean – I think they weren't able to run the football last year and they did pretty well. Um, so I don't think passing, I, I just, I mean, I think maybe if you, if you want to boil down to like what, if, if there's anything wrong with their passing game, it's like, yeah, I think you're, we've just been glossing over it, but Stefan Diggs has just not been performing the way he performed last year. And it's obviously giving some sort of a hindrance to the offense. Um, Stephon Diggs looked like a top three wide receiver last year. It was him, Devontae Adams, and Tyreek Hill, and no question about it. Those are the three best wide receivers in football. This year, is he top 15? I don't know. He's not looking like it so far. So um, that's also another part of this Bill's offense that's not really being talked about. Stephon Diggs, was that a blip? Yes, we know he's a great receiver, but that was really the only year that he looked like an elite, elite receiver. And now kind of come back down to earth a little bit there. I mean, Josh Allen is thrown for two uh, less than 10 yards uh, per target per, per completion uh, in the last two games. He's been getting, he threw for 47 attempts last game, 31 completions for only 264 yards, two picks, no touchdowns. Week before 42 attempts, 29 yards for only 250 yards. Did get two tutties. Uh, but, you know, it's not – I'm not seeing, like, incredible, outstanding uh, or even all that very good uh, – all that good of passing numbers uh, from Josh Allen these last couple of weeks. I mean, in losses, both without Dawson Knox. But I'm just saying if you can't improve the run game, which you can't, you can't improve the run game. Uh, there's nobody you can go out there and add to improve the run game right now. I think that the pass game could be improved. And I think that if the offense had more explosive receiving weapons, they'd be better. I think that the they're fine, but I just think that they, they could be better is all I'm saying. And I, I, I don't think that that's all that controversial. Um, I think they just could be better. That's all I'm saying. And I think that's the only option for the Bills to improve at this point, which would be why I'd like to see Odell Beckham go there. But um, regardless, I've just – yeah, I, I think they're going to continue to have to pass the ball, obviously. But, um, yeah, there's not much other to, other than that to add. I think it's just speculation for where I would hope Odell to go. Uh, but is there anything else you wanted to talk about in that matchup or anything else you wanted to respond with? Um, no. I just, I, yeah, I just wanted to put a bow on the – yeah, I think Buffalo I – just, I just don't think their number – when you look at their offense as a position group, I think wide receivers and and maybe quarterback, if you count like the group, obviously with Josh Allen, um, I think wide receiver is the one position that you don't need to go out and help. Yes, obviously it's it would be better to have Odell Beckham on your team. He makes thirty two NFL teams better. Who would you add to help right now? Who would you go out and add to make your run game better? Uh, I mean the trade deadline's passed, but I would have made a move for a running back. But you you don't you can't go back now. Yeah, that's my um, point I'm making is you can't go back now and make a move. So it's just whoever's available. And the only person available that I see that would improve the Bills right now would be Odell Beckham. 
I mean, sure, but in that instance, I mean, I'll go back and again, he's going to improve all 32 teams. I guess my point is, is just, Odell Beckham is the third wide receiver on that team. So I, I, I don't, yeah, I guess that's where we disagree because I definitely think he's number two. All right. <laughs> but I mean, I guess this is a, I guess this is all kind of a silly conversation because uh, Odell will probably announce where he's going to go in the next couple of days and it probably won't be Buffalo. But um, yeah, I mean, I guess you don't think that Buffalo's offensive woes are going to continue to be this bad, do you? Um, no, I expect Austin Knox to be back, but I think my point on Stefan Diggs is certainly stands. Um, I kind of wanted to hear how, what your rebuttal on that was. Um, Say one more time. How we saw how he was in Minnesota, and this was the first year, last year was the first year Stefan Diggs truly looked like an elite receiver. Yeah, he had the Stefan Diggs in years past was kind of like Tyler Lockett, but not to the extent where he would have big games, but then he would shy away sometimes. Last year was the first time he showed any sort of consistency, and we chalked it up to new situation in Buffalo, new quarterback. And now he's kind of gone back to earth a little bit. Obviously, he's like, what, wide receiver 21 this year, and he hasn't had the big games that maybe you draft him to be. So is that maybe this year that is just a little bit – has he – Falling back down to earth a little bit because I think that was the number one reason the, the pass. I mean, not the number one reason, but it's a reason why the passing offense isn't so electric. I mean, Stephon Diggs was unquestionably one of the three best wideouts in pro football last year. So, and he's just, that's just not the case. So, um, do you think it was kind of a blip what's happening with Stephon Diggs last year, or do you think he's going to be able to right the ship? I think he's going to be able to write this ship. Um, I can only remember his details so far back, Um, but I think he was pretty consistent um, in 2018. I mean, just a quick review of his stats in 2018 were pretty good. Uh, Moving to 2019, you have to remember he was going through quite a bit of quarterback turmoil at the beginning of that year. Uh, That's the year where Case Keenum comes in and takes them all the way to the NFC championship game, if I believe it, off the uh, uh, Minneapolis miracle or miracle of Minneapolis, Minneapolis, Minneapolis miracle. Um, obviously we're not Minnesota Vikings fans. Uh, so we, we, we're getting that wrong probably, but, uh, you all know what I'm talking about, or you probably should, uh, one of the greatest moments in NFL history, but he's going through quarterback turmoil that year. Um, I believe Sam Bradford becomes the starter at one point after Kirk cousins goes down. Um, and then it's case Keenum who is plays great for case Keenum that year, but um, doesn't go on to get a starting job anywhere. Um, so is not really clearly all overly that talented. Um, and by the end of that year, he's Stefan Diggs starts to put up more consistent numbers. Um, in that year, he starts to be pretty good. I mean, he's not, not a world beater, but he's a guy that you're playing with a wide receiver to every week with high upside. And that's again with Case Keenum in a definitely run heavy offense. Then we're talking last year. Stephon Diggs is a baller. He's awesome. Must start every week. So now this year he's struggling again. And I think it's just because he's, I think it maybe is because he's so much better than the rest of the receivers on his team and not, not even hating on the rest of those receivers. I just think Stephon Diggs is really, really, really good. Um, maybe he's getting hyper, hyper focused on and um, teams are just getting, 
having such an easy time against the Bills run game that they're just dominating them in the passing game, just being and are able to focus on uh, Stephon Diggs lately. So I don't know why what it is that's slowing him down this year, um, but I do not think that he is – That is, I don't think last year was a flash in the pan. I think he's going to begin to pick it up this year. He hasn't been terrible for you. I think that's important to keep in mind. He hasn't really killed you any week, but he's far. He's just far, far less than you would hope he would be, obviously. Um, but you still got to be starting him every week. He has super high upside. Um, and I think any week now we're going to see a multi-touchdown week from Stephon Diggs, and you're going to be glad you had him. I think he's still a relatively buy-low candidate. I think everybody who has him knows what he could be, so probably would have to find the right Stephon Diggs owner. But uh, I'm not deterred by Stephon Diggs' uh, rough start. Um, he is the wide receiver 21 in PPR, so he's been outside of a wide receiver two in 10-man leagues. So he's been really disappointing, but um, he's been getting you – he hasn't, like I said, hasn't lost you any weeks, still has that upside. I mean, he hasn't really shown it too much this week. His highest week is only about, like, 23 points or 20-something – mid-20s. Um so yeah, you gotta you gotta keep starting him, even though he's been disappointing. I expect him to have a big week any week now, um, and if you can trade for him, I'd do it. But uh, what do you think? Uh, I definitely think if you believe in him, that would be the time to trade for him. Um, I'm a little bit, I'm a little scared about what I've said earlier might come to fruition here, and with just like the the inconsistency and it's not we're at the point now where it's not a it's not a rough start to the year it's a rough year it's what were we nine week ten like we're, we've played more football than we haven't so it gets to a point where we we kind of have to see what we see like our eyes aren't lying anymore basically and he actually technically does have more football remaining just so <laughs> yeah, it's bye. But no, I'm just messing with you. But yeah, I uh, continue. Yes, but uh, I don't know. He's just so. I don't know. He's. I mean, maybe yeah, as a trade candidate, yeah. But I would understand as the owner. Uh, you do have to dr- kind of ditch draft capital now, but. I understand why it would be hard to move on from him just because he's been such a disappointment. But if you have the opportunity to move on and still have that name value, I I would think about taking it just because I think defenses are able to keen in on him. I think the cover two that's been killing Kansas city is going to be killing Buffalo. And the problem with Buffalo, uh, the difference between Buffalo and Kansas city is that Kansas city has two main guys that can take away coverages and that defenses ne- can't necessarily focus on completely. If that, if that was the case, then for instance, like Kansas city would just legitimately drop like eight in coverage to just stop Tyreek from going over the top, but they still have to worry about Travis Kelsey and all those guys. So they have to respect them, but in Buffalo, it's just Stefan Diggs. So it's going to be a little bit easier to roll coverages over to one side and just take him out of the game and make the other guys beat you. And then, I mean, I think that Manuel Sanders is going to be able to beat them, but I think Stefan Diggs is a little bit easier to take out of the game than a Tyreek Hill. So, and those guys were drafted in a similar area when um, during draft season. So, 
I uh, I definitely uh, hear where you're coming from. I just think Stefan Diggs is so talented. Um, and like we, like we kind of mentioned in our previous discussion of the Bills offense in general, just I don't see them improving the run game at any point. They could maybe get more creative in the pass game. I expect Stefan Diggs to begin picking it up. But um, And, yeah, you shouldn't be concerned about his draft capital. I just think that that could be potentially a barrier in somebody wanting to trade him to you. I imagine that they're if they drafted him that high, they're probably aware of how good he is, even though he isn't performing this year is uh, the point I was trying to make there. But any last pieces on that matchup that we had a lot more to talk about that than I ever expected actually in that Bill's Jets matchup. But is there anything else you wanted to add there before we moved on Gabby? No, I don't think so. All right. Uh, Lions Steelers. Uh, Steelers defense, a defense we told you to pick up last week because of this matchup uh, this week against the Lions um, and their good matchup against Chicago last week. Um, great defensive streaming play. Uh, Deontay Johnson should be a great play this week. He's pretty much always a great play, but an excellent play this week. I mean, he had his worst week last week against Chicago. I think that's pretty unlucky, but if Chase Claypool is a no-go, uh, he should get a ton of targets. In a, in a depleted Pittsburgh receiving core. So look for him to get a ton of targets. I think the only thing that could slow him down is just the – I imagine Steelers will get ahead and Najee will just dominate this Detroit team. Um, but, you know, uh, you got to play Deontay anyways, and I, I think he'll get his, get his fair share. But on the Lions side, I mean, you're playing DeAndre Swift because he's DeAndre Swift. But other than that, uh, TJ Hawkinson – because he's TJ Hawkinson, but nobody else you're really interested in. I don't expect a big day from the Lions, but they should be down. So I um, should, should see some targets for TJ Hawkinson. And um, DeAndre Swift is going to get his, you know. But um, I think this is probably the most straightforward matchup there is this week, to be honest. Is there is there anything you wanted to mention before I move on, though? Mm, no, I think you – yeah, it's pretty straightforward as you laid out there. All right, well, I'm going to let you take this next one because, as we all know, you're the resident Colts fan of the pod. But uh, Colts-Jaguars, Gabby, take us through it. The Colts here, it looks like it's going to be a pretty straightforward game. Um, Colts projected to win this game. The line set at minus 10 currently. And I think it's been pretty straightforward. I think Thursday gave us – Everything we needed to know, clarity-wise, in that backfield, we saw more. We did. We talked about it earlier on the pod last week, but we saw Marlon Mack um, being healthy and active. So, I think now we obviously start Jonathan Taylor. How can you not? But yeah, Naeem Hines is now even a speculative flex side that if Mack is going to get those healthy and active, there's enough touches there to make Hines a flex consideration. Carson Wentz has been balling this year, so he's now into the streaming category back in QB1 territory. And Michael Pittman, wide receiver seven on the year, um, this guy has been balling. Um, I told you guys in the beginning of the year to go out and get him. If you were able to get him in the middle of the year somehow, maybe somebody offered to you him in a trade. Uh, if you're able to somehow accept that uh, and just put him on your roster – you would really, really love your team right now. But if you weren't able to, um, you might miss out. You might have missed out on 
uh, a, a league winner because Michael Pittman has been balling this year. Uh, he showed it again last week with such a strong line of 17.4 fantasy points. And this week versus Jacksonville, I think he's going to anti and struggling to stay on the field. I think Michael Pittman's definitely going to be continue to be that a top uh, 15, 20 wide receiver. But uh, Sam, what do you think about this matchup? Uh, well, I definitely uh, don't appreciate you tif- twisting the knife in uh, of me not accepting your trade offer that included uh, me receiving Michael Pittman for Kareem Hunt. Um, so uh, I don't, uh, this was a couple of weeks ago in my defense, but uh, yeah, that's, a, that's a, a mistake that I made and I'll have to own that and, uh, and live with that when I don't win the league because of that. Um, but, you know, in my defense, I was feeling good about Cortland Sutton at the time. And I, I still do, but uh, definitely not quite as good uh, as Michael Pittman. <laughs> um, but, yeah, you covered it pretty good. I just wanted to say on uh, Naeem Hines, I think he could have a good week just because, you know, the Jaguars, they are still bad, even though they beat the, the, the Bills. Um, I expect Jonathan Taylor to be great as usual, but I expect the Colts to want to get Naeem Hines utilized a little bit when they get up. So I expect Naeem Hines to be used um, enough just because they will be ahead likely. And uh, if I'm not mistaken, Naeem Hines had a pretty, pretty good week last week um, when they, uh, when the Colts dominated the Jets, he ended up actually getting 20 points uh, after I pull that up here. He ended up getting 20 points. So in a game where the Colts dominate, I could see that being a similar script. And uh, Naeem Hines being utilized, which is why I talked him up a little bit earlier. Um, Carson Wentz versus uh, versus the Jaguars. He's, he's a great play. I mean, he's been a great quarterback this week. He's scored less than 17 fantasy points only once this week. Um, and that was in week three against Tennessee, which we now know is a actually pretty good team. Uh, one of the best teams. He averages 18 points a game. Um, he's the 10th quarterback overall in fantasy. And I think he's just extremely underrated. He has a pretty good schedule going forward. Um, and I think Carson Wentz is going to put up good numbers for you. He's my best of the rest start of the week at quarterback. Uh, one of the best guys I think you could find on the outer fringe. I think that um, the, the, the Colts are still looking to get wins They They cannot risk a loss. And I think that he'll still be passing enough uh, to be relevant, even in a game that I think uh, they'll win. And, uh, the last piece on this matchup that I wanted to mention, um, or well, I should mention that uh, Robinson um, might be out still, the running back for Jacksonville. Carlos Hyde would be his replacement if he is, if Robinson is out. Um, so monitor that situation. And uh, if you're a James Robinson owner, uh, make sure you have Carlos Hyde. But the question I wanted to ask you, Gabby, is uh, T.Y. Hilton, how are we feeling about him right now? Uh, is he a guy that you're looking to have on your roster? I just want to know how you're feeling as the Colts fan, probably the most informed uh, of the two of us on T.Y. Hilton, or you probably know the situation best. So I just want to know what you're thinking right now. Um, he was limited in practice Wednesday, uh, still going through concussion protocol. So I'm not eager to pick him up by any means necessary, but I'm, I'm, I keep an eye on him just because we saw it in his return to Houston, let alone it was Houston. Um, he was pretty pretty good, four for 80. So definitely has some sort of connection there with Carson Wentz. And we know the talent is there. He just has an, an ability to stay 
on the field right now. So I wouldn't be eager to go get him by any means, but I definitely would put him on my watch to see how he performed. If he's able to go out there this week, see what he does, and then maybe pick him up next week. But the problem with picking up T.Y. Hilton as well is that we're kind of getting through most of the bye weeks. Like the, the thick of them are mainly gone now. So what are you really picking up T.Y. Hilton for? Maybe a, a dart throw, or and that's not a, that's not necessarily somebody that you need to stash on your team as a dart. But um, and the other thing is, is like T.Y. Hilton has been known to not necessarily been the most being the most consistent wide receiver. So I I guess I'm now I'm even talking to myself not even being as eager to go pick him up. Maybe just let him sit on free agency and waiver wire and pick him up if I needed. It big points in a week, but I, I think Michael Pittman has taken over as the wide receiver one in that offense. Yeah, for sure on that. And I, I see it pretty similarly as a, I'm not picking him up. I mean, he's just at the top of a lot of my uh, ESP. And when I go into do my waiver wires, this, uh, or I did when I went in to do my waiver wires on Tuesday uh, or my waiver pickups on my waiver wires, excuse me, uh, on Tuesday, at a lot of the top of my uh, lists of people to choose from, I saw T.Y. Hilton being projected like he was going to play, and I just thought to myself, well, I don't know if that's the case. Uh, we'll see. Um, and if he does, are, are we really thinking he's going to be that that utilized? I mean, when he did play against Houston, he only got 50% of the snaps and only got four targets. He just did the most with those four targets, so uh, made the most out of them. So, um, yeah, even though he's, if he plays, I wasn't ex- I'm not really excited. He's going to have to prove it to me. And I think the point that you mentioned about the bye weeks is uh, really important. I mean, there still are some bye weeks to go. Uh, some people have some really disappointingly late bye weeks, especially the Colts, actually, uh, week 14, right before playoffs. So for fantasy, that is. So, um, yeah, a little bit. That's a tough one. But uh, he's going to have to prove it to me before I pick him up. But, Gabby, um, any last pieces you want to add on this matchup? No, I think we covered it pretty well. Maybe on the Jacksonville side, uh, just real quick. Um, James Robinson, like we mentioned earlier, he missed last week's game. Carlos Hyde came in, didn't do too much, had about 67 yards on the ground. Um, Jamal Agnew's becoming a, more of a, a threat in the passing game. So deeper leagues, he might be somebody that you look at. And Dan Arnold is becoming a two two weeks in a row of, over 10 fantasy points. So um, I think he is a tight end now that is becoming streaming worthy. But And they traded for him, so they really wanted him. Mm-hmm. He's a low-end tight end one, I think. So I definitely – outside of that, though, no, I think we handled it everything pretty well. I'm ready to move on. Uh, Buccaneers playing the football team, the Washington football team. Um, we mentioned that the, the injury issues the Buccaneers are having um, at the wide receiver and tight end positions, um, they are having injury issues all over. I mean, we know they had injury issues in the secondary that they're dealing with from earlier in the season as well. Um, so would we think that Buccaneers will not be uh, dominating this game because of that? No, absolutely not. They're still going to dominate this game. Uh, you're still going to Throw all the guys you usually do expect the same. Leonard Fournette should be a great running back option. Mike Evans is going to be boosted if uh, any of those guys that, that we mentioned earlier in the show are are not in. 
Uh, I would think Chris Godwin will play, but we don't know for sure. Um, but if he makes it in, he's a great play, of course. Um, Antonio Gibson on the other side, I think, is probably uh, the most interesting conversation in this matchup, how we're feeling on him. I mean, he's been banged up. He's been dealing with a fracture in his shin um, that he's just been kind of nursing this whole year. But, Gabby, how are we feeling about um, Antonio Gibson? Um, do you think he's going to return to fantasy val- uh, to real fantasy value at some point this this year, or are you out on him this, the rest of the season? Um, I'm out on him. I I think it's weird. I think I I feel like as an Antonio Gibson owner, I own him in a couple of leagues, and all the leagues, even in the leagues that I don't own him in, and I kind of look. All the Antonio Gibson owners I've seen somehow have the ability, like either have a Cordero Patterson on their team or an Elijah Mitchell on their team. And I think just, just because in the early weeks, like um, Antonio Gibson was so bad that your team, and you put so much draft capital in them that your team plummeted. And if you're in that instance where you have a guy such as Elijah Mitchell or Cordero Patterson or forgetting of another waiver wire running back, but somebody that's become a running back two or running back one pretty consistently here. And now Antonio Gibson can just sit on your bench as your RB three. I think the upside is still there. And I, I don't think then I'm out on him and not necessarily, but if I'm depending on Antonio Gibson to give me points every week and he's a consistent fantasy starter, then I'm a little worried because he's just not healthy right now, and it doesn't look like they're going to give him the time to be healthy. And it's hard to get healthy while playing games at the same time. And The production hasn't been there. And the upside with Antonio Gibson going into the year was that he was going to be a part of the pass-catching uh, work, and he just obviously hasn't done that either. So when we take that away and he's hurt, um, there's not a lot of upside there or a lot of even, like, side in general, I guess, like, good playing. So... Um, for that reason, I'm, I'm out on him, but as like my starter, but I do love him as like my RB three or somebody that I'm just, if I have an injury as my, to one of my starting RBs, then he can come into my lineup. Yeah, I think, uh, I think this week is actually super important, uh, to see where Antonio Gibson's at. So if I'm an Antonio Gibson owner currently, um, I'm holding him, but I think if you're an Antonio Gibson believer, you'd probably want to trade for him this week because he's coming off the bye this week. So if he is going to get healthy and get right, it might be this week. I mean, it is Tampa Bay. So even if he was fully healthy, he still might not have the best game. Um, but he could be coming back this week. Um, and and I just wanted to talk about what you mentioned um, or he, not – I should say not coming back this week, but getting back to his full full self, or at least most of his full self this week. Um, he's been getting super diminished snaps with the shin injury these last few weeks. So I think it's going to be super important to look at how many snaps he gets coming off of the bye to see if he is uh, recovered after a week off. Um, but we'll see. And if he is recovered and getting a lot of snaps, even if he doesn't have a great output this week, if he's getting a ton of the snaps, um, I'd probably be trading for him. Um, but yeah, I did want to mention, like you were talking about earlier this year, Antonio Gibson did not have the greatest start to the year. 
but he wasn't terrible. He just really didn't find the end zone um, for you. He, he did get around 10 points in both of his first two games. And then after that, he started to pick it up. But um, Antonio Gibson, I think, is a kind of guy that if you're in a dynasty league, you should really be trying to add because I think next year when he's healthy, he has shown that he has the ability to be really, really effective for fantasy. Um, and I just would be probably trying to get him if I was in a dynasty league this year, because I think next year he's going to be awesome. And I think potentially the rest of this year, but um, I have a hard time believing that he comes off with a shin a fracture, a shin uh, fracture and just is fine after a week, but could happen. So anything you wanted to add about this matchup, uh, Logan, before I actually let you go, Logan Thomas uh, looks like he will come back uh, the tight end for Washington as well. But Gabby, is there anything you wanted to mention in this matchup? Um, just wanted to put a bow on Antonio Gibson point. Um, something to consider, he's playing Carolina and the Buccaneers though, the next two weeks. Those are the number one, number two ranked rushing defenses. So if you were an Antonio Gibson believer, um, there's nothing in the next two weeks to make you, and at least versus Buccaneers, we can at least safely assume that they're not going to be leading in that game, like at least leading to the point where they're running out the ball. So I think it's safe to assume that Antonio Gibson's stock might even fall a little bit lower before it gets better necessarily. So if you were a believer, um, it wouldn't be the worst thing in the world if you waited a week for one more bad performance or if two bad performances, if you're just feeling like it, depending on when your trade deadline is and then going out to get him. But going back to the matchup, um, the Buccaneers on the other side, they a lot of their wide receivers, yeah, they're hurt right now. So the ones that are healthy, you are starting anyway, uh, such as Mike Evans and Chris Godwin. But you're starting those guys even more with confidence. And um, Leonard Fournette, you're starting now, obviously. And you're just kind of hoping – I feel bad if you're a Gronk owner. You at the beginning of the year, you drafted him. You you didn't think really much of it. You probably got him at the as a tight end two, maybe a, the late tight end one. And the first two weeks, you're like, I got the old Gronk back. You might have made a move, you might have traded away your other tight ends. And you kind of forgot that the old Gronk also means he doesn't play a lot of games. So um yeah, it's just it's really tough because I do think if he was healthy right now, he would be his old self. Cause we forget he retired super young. So when he unretired, he was like 30 years old. Um, so he still had a lot of football left, obviously. And yeah, he obviously had the connection with Brady. So that that's really shitty that he's not able to be out there, but. I would, I would not even be holding Gronk. I, I don't think he's going to, I don't think he's coming back to his full self um, in a predictable fashion this year. I would not even be holding Gronk if he was my tight end. I mean, if I have like a, like a, in, like an IR spot and I could just put an out player on that, in that IR spot, I'd, I'd probably do it. But yeah, I have no, I'm not interested in Gronk. I, I guess if you really think he's going to come back soon, then he's worth a hold, especially in obviously, I mean, tight ends are super, lean pickings but like yeah the upside there at least for me is the upside is there 
way too much, and we've seen it this year with him as a tight end. Like he won a couple weeks there, and he's been dominant. And it's still Gronk. Gronk is still the still he's the greatest tight end of all time. He's obviously not like the greatest tight end of all time, like in terms of like his physical stature. He's not in that like same space anymore, but he's still really good tight end and in an unbelievable offense if not the best passing offense in the nfl and the problems that we thought gronk were gonna have he was the the problems that we thought were happening in tampa bay were that we didn't know where the passing touchdowns were gonna go well we did know they were all gonna go to gronk at least in the red no i think we knew that he was likely to I think we all both said that in the first week of the season, that might be his best game, which I'm pretty sure it has been. And I mean, I just, 30 points though. Like, yes, yeah, this game, but like, I, I think we were aware of his injury risk is the other point I wanted to say. Like, I don't think his being out and unpredictable when he'll start is surprising at all. Okay. That's fair. I, I just, I feel like with Gronk, I'm, I mean, he could be so good, like you're saying. He's. I'm a little bit nostalgic, and if I'm if I'm holding guys at this point in the season, I'm holding a guy like Gronk. Like, I don't want to hold anymore. Like, we're at the part of the season where, like, a guy such as let me just like a guy like Jacoby Myers, for instance, doesn't have any interest to me being on my back anymore. No interest. He's not going to win me a week. He only is going to lose me weeks. So he can get off my team now. So are you out on Hunter Renfro? No, because Hunter Renfro doesn't really have the capability <laughs> of losing a week as Jacoby Myers. Jacoby Myers doesn't. Okay, okay. fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> I agree with that. I agree with that. <laughs> you're, not, you're not losing a week because of Hunter. But – like basically, like like a Marquez Callaway, even like obviously I told you guys to drop him, but like basically my point is if they don't have the the highest of upside, such as a Gronk, where they can like legitimately, I can look back if I were to win a championship and be like, why did I win? It was because I kept Gronk on my roster. Like that's a plausible uh, scenario that could happen, and I I guess I just can't drop a guy like that at this point of the season. Yeah, I guess. The only I would only be doing keeping him if I have a guy that's like um, like a Dalton Schultz maybe a guy that I'm confident starting this week you know they're playing the Falcons um, or like a, somebody else that's like that you're confident in that maybe isn't top level like maybe a Dawson Knox um, although if you have Dawson Knox I would have moved on from Gronk because then you'd be rostering two hurt tight ends uh, but. Uh, if you have somehow have like a, a middle of the road guy that you're deciding like in, or like a guy who's you starting him every week, but he's not like a world beater, then I see wanting to have Gronk on your bench. But if you have a guy that's really good, like a TJ Hawkinson or Darren Waller or Kelsey, you're never going to start him. You're never going to start Gronk. That is. And if you have a guy that's, if you don't have a guy, then I have a hard time using a roster spot on a Gronk while I'm trying to find a guy because there are, there have been some pretty interesting tight end waiver wire ads in most leagues over the last few weeks. And if you were just holding Gronk, 
you maybe missed out on one of those guys who, yeah, maybe is more likely to just give you eight to 10 points each week. But uh, that's a hell of a lot more valuable than what Gronk's done this year. And uh, I'd rather, personally, I'd rather have, um, if we're choosing between having nobody most weeks and just occasionally getting a Gronk big, big week that we might, we might not see the rest of the season, but you might get maybe one or two more big weeks and then having nothing the rest of those other two weeks, or maybe taking a shot on a guy. Yeah. You know, I guess on the inverse, taking a shot on a guy that could give you eight to 10 points each week. I'm taking the shot on the guy that can give you eight to 10 points each week with maybe some upside to get you a little bit higher a couple of weeks. So I'd probably, I'd rather have like a guy like Pat Fryer move. That's kind of the, the guy I'm envisioning in my mind is a guy that is like, yeah, he has not the same upside as Gronk when he gets in a game, but Pat Fryermuth is going to be more consistent the rest of the season, I think. And he has some upside. So if I was deciding between two guys like that, I'm not picking Gronk is what I'm trying to say. So um, I guess we see it a little bit differently. And I think, again, it really just depends on your, your specific situation. And I, I think you probably agree with that, Gabby. Um, but I just don't see too many situations I don't, where I think rostering Gronk is a good idea. But, uh, yeah, it would be tough if you've been holding him this whole time and then you just drop him based off what I said. So I would imagine that would be hard for people. Um, but any any last bits on the – any last points on Buccaneers versus uh, the football team? No. I think you did a good job. We did a good job covering that. All right, uh, Cleveland versus New England. Um, an interesting game here. The Patriots have been looking good these last few weeks. Uh, the Browns have started – looked really good last week at least. Um, started to pick it up a little bit now that we've got the – got Odo Beckham off their minds. But uh, Dearness Johnson, he's my running back, start uh, best of the rest start of the week this week. A guy that you could have gotten off waivers potentially and is going to be awesome this week. Um, even against the staunch New England defense, um, definitely be starting him. Uh, Jarvis Landry, I think, is a sneaky low-end flex, maybe just outside that in a 10-man league, uh, but in a deeper league, maybe a flex. He's a guy that is a guy that you, Gabby, said that you probably – the type of, type of guy you wouldn't want on your roster who um, I guess Jarvis would have a hard time losing you a week. Jarvis should be pretty consistent, but he's not going to get you too many huge weeks is what I'm trying to say, I guess. Uh, but Jarvis Landry, a guy, could probably get you about 12 to 15 points, uh, 10, to, 10 to 15 points each week. Um, and I would expect him to fall probably within that range this week as well. Um, New England, you're probably playing you're playing Damian Harris if you have him. Um, I think he'd be downgraded a little bit. Uh, Cleveland has a pretty solid run defense, but not so good that they deter you from playing him altogether. He's not the greatest option this week but New England's been running the football and leaning on the run game uh so if Damian Harris is to play he'd be a great start but um what we haven't mentioned yet is that he has um, been dealing with a little bit of an injury he's in, in concussion protocol and hasn't practiced yet so it's just going to come down to whether or not he can clear that um but yeah both uh both him and uh Ramondi Ramondi Ramondre, excuse me, Stevenson uh, are in the concussion protocol, which is crazy. Uh, both guys, both running backs on the team in the concussion protocol. Um, so that would probably make Brandon Bolden a great play if neither of those guys get out of it. But um, 
Well, you'll have to monitor that situation, especially if you're a Damian Harris owner. But Hunter Henry, desperation tight end, outside of the top 10 for me, Phil. Um, Gabby, is there anybody that you wanted to highlight in this matchup that I didn't mention? No, I think not nobody in particular. How do you see this game unfolding? I think it's I think it's a little bit of an interesting uh, matchup here. I'm curious. Do you think it's going to be a low scoring game? Most Patriots games are. Uh, yeah, I I think for the most part, um, they are going to be. It's going to be a low scoring game. I think something to consider here with the Patriots is that. <laughs> I think it's funny that every, at least like every one of these matchups that we keep bringing up has something to do with um, Odell Beckham. And I, I mean, they just don't have any weapons. And yes, they're going to be, they're at, they're at home and they're like a minus two and a half favorite. But I just don't see from like the Patriots side how they're going to push the ball versus a Browns defense. Matt Jones has been okay this year, and the Browns defense they put they just put a slacking on the uh, the Bengals as a whole. Um, they were able to get to them, cause Joe Burrow to cause a lot of mistakes, especially with that pick six. Pick six, obviously, but um, on the Browns side, um, I'm a little bit more excited about uh, DP. Uh, I'm a little bit excited about DPJ, sorry, like as a non-fantasy owner, but from a fantasy perspective, um, again, as I stated earlier, not too excited just because of um, how he looks, like how this offense looks as a whole, and it's just a run-heavy offense to begin with. So when we start talking about the Browns, um, you can't get too excited with a lot of these passing weapons, i.e. why Odell Beckham left in the first place. I think that the Browns passing offense is super underrated. Uh, I think that they clearly struggled with Odell, but I don't think uh, that translates to everybody else. Um, Last week, they put up 41 points, which definitely didn't all come on the ground. Um, Baker did throw for two touchdowns. So, I mean, they do have the ability to put up points, and that's against the Bengals, who are uh, maybe a good team. But uh, Baker, he's obviously he has his shoulder injury, and so that's, I think, limited him somewhat. But they have shown the ability to put up points. I mean, it's not their first 40-point week by, by any means. Um, I think the passing game in Cleveland's a little underrated, and I think, I think honestly, they just could not, for whatever reason, they could not figure it out with Odell. Um, even though I think Odell Beckham's good, I think he was – him being on the team was holding them back, not necessarily that he was holding them back, but him being on the team was holding them back. Um, from reaching their full potential. And I expect them to grow. And I, I would imagine that Donovan Peoples-Jones becomes uh, a more consistent player, starts getting more targets. Um, but, you know, that's speculation. I'm not feeling super confident on that by any means. So I'm not telling you it's for sure going to happen. But um, I'm a little bit little bit higher on that passing offense um, than you, obviously. Um, but this, this is the type of game where I wouldn't imagine um, – Cleveland has to pass too much because like you, I would imagine it's going to be fairly, fairly low scoring or at least moderately scoring. Nothing, nothing insane. I wouldn't, wouldn't be able to shoot out. That's for sure. Uh, 
I, I see a lot of platforms uh, projecting the Patriots or the Browns to have solid defenses. Uh, personally, I wouldn't pick the Browns just because I don't necessarily believe in their defenses being all that staunch. And I think the Patriots have a chance of getting uh, a, quite a bit of points put up on them. I think there is a, an off chance that the Browns do score a lot of points. And so uh, I'd actually be avoiding both of those defenses. Just want to put that out there because I've been seeing them uh, projected highly on some platforms, but uh, our next matchup here, we got the Falcons and the Cowboys. Uh, we already mentioned a couple of the Falcons receivers, so we won't go over them again, but um, on the Falcons side, I think Matt Ryan is a really interesting stream this week. I, I don't think he's necessarily um, the highest ranked streaming option in my opinion, but I do think it'll be a high scoring game. I'm, I'm not super convinced that uh, Dallas's defense is going to stop them from scoring all that many points. Um, the Falcons put up 20 something points against the saints last week. And I do think the saints have a good defense, uh, but Matt Ryan, he's averaging 17.7 fantasy points a week. He only had two dud weeks this year. And uh, other than that, I mean, he's been really good in his last five games. He's three of those games. He's had over 20 points. So he's picked it up quite a bit, especially recently. Um, and I think he's a really interesting streaming option, um, probably in deeper leagues, 12 man leagues, maybe, but um, yeah, I mean, maybe in a, in a pinch in a, in a 10 man, but I think he's an interesting option. Not my, my preferred option. Uh, Carson Wentz would be ranked higher for me, but um, Matt Ryan, I think is a really solid streaming option this week. If you're looking for a guy um, and then you can honestly be dropping Mike Davis. He's terrible for fantasy, at least uh, Cordell Patterson is the only running back worth rostering in Atlanta. Um, and then, you know, usual suspects on the Cowboys, uh, Michael Gallup looks like he could be returning from injury potentially uh, this week, but um, of course wouldn't be playing him unless, unless we know for sure, but uh, he looks like he's expected to return against the Falcons. And honestly, uh, we'd probably be waiting to see what he does after a game or two anyways, before you think about putting him in your lineup. Um, but anything uh, that stands out to you about the Falcons versus the Cowboys, Gabby? Falcons, no, it's going to be a high-scoring matchup, so I'm definitely trying to play my matchups if I'm on the edge of them. Like, for example, Amari Cooper, if you have, are feeling some sort of flex can, um, worry about him, I would definitely be trying to play him in this sort of matchup. I think he's going to have a good opportunity to pop off, especially versus the Falcons defense that's been bad for years now. <laughs> yeah, they're uh, they're not great at all. But, um, yeah, I would definitely be playing Amari Cooper. I think he's going to have a great game. I play him with confidence. Uh, most A lot of his woes have been due to uh, Dak Prescott, I mean, playing poorly last week. I mean, he hasn't but... – Amari Cooper's been good for you. Play Amari Cooper with confidence. I mean, he's a wide receiver 22, but um, that's due to three dud weeks, including one last week and two at the beginning of the year. So uh, I'd be playing Amari Cooper pretty solid, uh, pretty confidently. I mean, I know he hasn't been necessarily what you wanted, but he hasn't killed you other than a couple weeks. And I feel like that's kind of baked into what Amari Cooper is. I would expect him to pick it up, even though he hasn't been. Awesome. I mean, do you do you disagree with that, Gabby? No, I definitely would be p playing with him. Uh, playing with him, that's weird. Uh, playing <laughs> so, but um, I would say, like, Marty's 
he hasn't he's just had two really big weeks this year um obviously in week one and then in week eight with the 26 points um so it's just something to consider uh he's just not hasn't been all that effective i feel like last year he was a little bit more consistent yeah especially those five weeks with Dak, we thought that we were going to get a wide receiver one. That's kind of the potential that we were we were drafting to be. Yeah, we know CD's there, but CD hasn't really been playing all that well. So if CD hasn't been playing that well and Amari hasn't really been playing that well, but the Dallas is, what, eight and two? Maybe, no, seven and two? Um, I don't know what the deal is, but I think the passing offense is definitely going to turn around. It's going to be more electric like we saw in week one. So I would be playing Amari, and I think versus Atlanta is a perfect spot to bounce back in. Yeah, and if I'm not mistaken, C.D. Lamb has been picking it up um, himself these last couple weeks. Uh, Or no, I am mistaken. Last week, everybody was terrible in Dallas. What am I thinking? But um, prior to that, though, the previous three weeks, he had been picking it up quite a bit. But uh, yeah, you're right. Struggling across the board in Dallas, especially last week, I, I do think that they could have a bounce back week this week against as you would like as you uh, against a defense that you mentioned previously uh, is quite bad in Atlanta. So um, I definitely would be hoping for a bounce back week and would be playing Amari Cooper and CD Lamb confidently uh, and Dak Prescott and of course Zeke every every week. But uh, Kyle Pitts, I don't think we need to mention him much other than he's awesome. Uh, he is. He's a consistent player now. Uh, you got He's been great every week, especially or consistent, great every week recently. Um, with Calvin Ridley out, he's been getting a ton of targets. He's the clear number one there. Um, play him with confidence. Um, next matchup, Panthers, Cardinals. Uh, Kyler Murray, he's still questionable, um, but I believe he should play. Uh, he's got that shoulder injury he's still dealing with, but um, and the ankle injury that he's – that's more recent, but I believe he should play. Ports are he's making progress, uh, but he didn't participate in practice on Wednesday. Um, but I would expect if he, even if he doesn't play, I mean, Colt McCoy did fine. Um, and the Panthers do have a good defense, but um, DeAndre Hopkins, another questionable guy. Um, if DeAndre Hopkins plays, I wouldn't matter to me who the quarterback is. Uh, but other than that, you're avoiding the Cardinals options except for uh, James Conner. Chase Edmonds is out now, probably for a few weeks. Uh, so James Conner is going to be a good option uh, for a few weeks going forward. He's going to be the, the clear bell cow back there um, while Chase Edmonds is out. So uh, Carolina, we mentioned them at the top of our show. We're not downgrading their weapons uh, with, uh, with Sam Darnold out. Christian McCaffrey was back last week. He was somewhat limited, uh, but he should be all, all go this week and should be back to Christian McCaffrey, um, his, just his normal self. Uh, so if you're a Christian McCaffrey owner, you've, uh, you've waited a long time, but there's a, there's a light at the end of the tunnel. Um, Carolina or not Carolina's Arizona's defense is probably rostered in your league, but um, great start. If you're looking for a, if you can, if you can get them, and uh, are looking for a defensive, defensive play this week, but um, anything in that matchup you wanted to do, uh, mention before we move on? Arizona, no. Um, 
Kyrie and DeAndre like, are questionable, so just something to consider. But outside of those two, no. Um, Vikings versus the uh, Chargers this week should be a fairly interesting matchup. Both teams um, have had their ups and downs this year for sure. Uh, Dalvin Cook, he should be a full go this week. There's been some stories breaking about some uh, issues – or not issues, but uh, things going on in his – personal life uh, that could be causing him some issues. Um, but he's is going to be playing this week. It sounds like uh, he said he was going to play. So shouldn't worry about anything like that. Um, playing him, you're playing both the regular Vikings receivers. I mean, that's an obvious one. Kirk Cousins is a, he's a fine play, I guess, but I would be probably looking for somebody else, but this should be a fairly high scoring matchup. And then on the Chargers side, you're playing the usual guys. Mike Williams, he's had some tough weeks for you, but uh, I think you got to stick with it. I think he's a really solid flex option. I mean, he can just he can win you a week any week. Um, but it is getting to the point where if you have somebody else you're super confident in or super excited about, then maybe you maybe you bench Mike Williams. But uh, he's just got such a high upside that it's hard for me to do that. But he's been so bad lately that you maybe have to. Um, Gabby, I'm curious where you're at with Mike Williams. Well, Mike Williams, yeah, I, I'm still playing him. We just seen the upside was too high in the first couple of weeks there, and we saw it too consistently. And there have been a little bit of reports that, that he might be injured. Uh, so it's something to consider there. So, but the upside is way too high to bench him by any means. You're gonna get if you get burned by him one time, it just looks foolish. So I'm not going to put myself in that position personally, and I wouldn't give that advice to anybody. I would play Mike Williams with confidence and just trust that the it will regress back to the mean. Yeah, I mean, he hasn't gotten more than eight points any of the last three weeks, and yeah, I just – he's just – he scares me enough that I don't blame anybody for benching him, but um, I agree with you. He – it would not be – it would not be fun to have him go off on your bench, so – um, I'd be playing him um, and, and if he's your flex and he's just got such high upside that I li- like literally no other flex could have. So um, you got to play him and at least be happy that, you know, you can have one player when you're weak. Um, other than that, of course, you're playing Eckler and Keenan Allen. Um, yeah. And moving on to our next matchup and uh, stop me if there's anything you wanted to add there, but. I think I'll actually end up just let you take it, uh, letting you just take this one away, Gabby. Uh, Seahawks at Packers. The return of both Russell Wilson and likely Aaron Rodgers. Uh, what is what's going on in this matchup that we should know about? On the Packers side, um, not a lot, a lot. I mean, you're playing the three-headed monster in Aaron Rodgers, given that he comes back on Saturday and clears every protocol that he needs to clear. Um, Aaron Jones and Devontae Adams. Um, it should be a pretty good matchup for all three. I expect all these guys to have pr- really good games. I see how it doesn't have a, a great secondary and or great defense in general, so I expect all of them to play pretty well. And on the CX front, the return of Russell Wilson means the return of Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf. Yes, Lockett went off in week eight before his bye, but now you're able to 
put him in your lineup with confidence. I know a lot of people were burned by that performance versus Jacksonville just because it was Geno Smith and he had been performing so poorly before that how could you start him? Um, so now that Russ is back, you have the confidence to put him back as your wide receiver too and have that upsides help you power your team to victories. And DK is now back to that a top six wide receiver that you know and love. But I think what's really interesting about this matchup is if Chris Carson plays, um, then I think Seattle wins pretty handily here. I think on the road, I, I have him on a money line parlay, and I think I'm going to take that pretty heavily because I think Chris Carson is going to be the key here. If, if he's able to get himself back into a good enough game shape to go on Sunday versus Green Bay, I know he's been pushing the – trainers to practice and he was practicing today but if he's able to go I think Seattle's back on top and I think that they can honestly make the run at the seventh seed um if you have somebody as good as Russell wasn't at the helm you have a chance and I think their slide in terms of real NFL playoff perspective for a second was com- completely attributed to the lack of number three back there so let me get this straight you think uh the Seahawks will win if both Aaron Rodgers and Russell Wilson and I guess Chris Carson are all playing. Yeah. Ooh, yeah. I have to disagree with you. I think if all those people are playing, we're going to see a Green Bay victory. I think Green Bay is a better team than Seattle. So I, that's an interesting one. Not really super fantasy relevant other than it should be a pretty high scoring competitive game. Uh, but we'll have to definitely check in on that next week. Uh, but, yeah, I, I have to disagree with you on that. So we'll see. I think the Packers are a really good team. Um, but as far as fantasy goes, um, peek behind the scenes. I was looking at the show doc where we keep all of our uh, all of our information, kind of our show outline. And uh, I put in Tyler Lockett as my uh, best of the rest start of the week at wide receiver. And uh, I was thinking to myself, what kind of analysis am I going to give for him? Because, you know, he's ranked 20th in the ESPN consensus rankings this week. And I just think that's absurdly low. Um, kind of look at ESPN is kind of where uh, I think most people view people. And I kind of base uh, my outsider decisions off that. And I, Tyler Lockett being ranked so low. And I was thinking, what kind of analysis could I give? And I, before I, before I could get back in the show doc, I thought, Oh, just, I just got to say, Russell Wilson's back. That's all people need to know because Russell Wilson and Tyler Lockett are a super effective duo. And before I could get back in the show, doc, I saw Gabby had already put that in. So all you need to know, long story short, is that Russell Wilson is back. Tyler Lockett's going to be great. It's common knowledge. Everybody knows it. And if you don't, I'm telling you now, play Tyler Lockett. So uh, Tyler Lockett, great play this week, being totally slept on. Um, and we just talked about how it should be a competitive game from the Seahawks and the Packers. So there should be at least some points scored there. Um, and I have a hard time believing that uh, Tyler Lockett isn't going to be involved in the return of Russell Wilson. So uh, play Tyler Lockett with confidence. And uh, other than that, I think, uh, I think that's pretty much everything you want to cover. I think Aaron Jones is, in my opinion, a buy low candidate. Um, I think maybe people are kind of afraid of what A.J. Dillon's been doing, um, but I think Aaron Jones is a really great play still. Um, I think he's one of the better running backs in the NFL. Not necessarily that 
tip tip top tier but uh really really good and so i would be trying to get him on my roster if anybody who owns him is nervous um but other than that nothing else i wanted to add there um gabby anything else in that matchup before we move on no i think uh no all right a matchup that i think is gonna be pretty low scoring here was the eagles and the broncos uh the last of the the one o'clock uh window uh one o'clock slate games I think it's going to be fairly low scoring. So honestly, I think you could actually play either defense in this matchup if you were looking for a defensive streamer, uh, both on the outer outside of the top five for me, Broncos squeeze into that fifth, fifth spot as far as uh, defensive streamers that are not super widely owned. But um, And we'll get into more of that in a second. But uh, not a super high scoring game, I don't think. I'm playing Cortland Sutton. Um, with your usual expectations and he could he could get a couple big passes or one big pass and be great for you and he also has that potential to to bust I do think Cortland Sutton is going to get you more usable weeks than he busts um, so even if uh, this isn't one of those weeks I'm, I'm definitely still in on Cortland Sutton um, but I can see how this game maybe is low scoring kind of a grind it out maybe neither team is able to make a a big play. I do think Cortland Sutton's the number one on their team, especially when it comes to big, big plays. So you could definitely see uh, Darius Slay covering Cortland Sutton and kind of uh, hurting his his production. So there's a lot of reasons you could see uh, players like Cortland Sutton or even Jerry Judy or Tim Patrick uh, not produce um, in this matchup. I think those reasons almost almost stand for all of them. Although I do think. Uh, Cortland Sutton is the most likely to be to see Darius Slay, but could be low scoring game. Um, I'm not excited to play Devonta Smith uh, just because it's low scoring game. I don't expect him to do too much, um, but he would obviously be the Eagles wide receiver to play there. Dallas Goddard, you're fine playing him. Uh, Noah Fant, fine playing him. Uh, and then, yeah, I wouldn't play either quarterback or excuse me, I would of course play Jalen Hurts, even though he's had a couple a uh, bad week or two, but um, probably not Teddy Bridgewater unless I'm super desperate. Um, but yeah, again, I've mentioned it a bunch of times, but low scoring matchup, not a whole lot to see here. Um, Gabby, when it comes to the Denver uh, running backs, how do you view those guys? Are you, I think Javante Williams is maybe like a buy low candidate if you think he's going to start break out a little bit but do you is it do you see anything like that happening how do you see the Denver backfield just in general and in this week um I think Javante had the chance of breaking out but I mean I, I think it was a pretty heavy run game strip obviously given they were up big on Dallas and I don't there's a chance that that happens again next this week and then in that case I I do see that the running game turns out to be a pretty good performance like last week, but the likelihood of that happening is not as high. So I think they'll come back down to earth a little bit and both of them will have their normal 50, 50 split. Um, anything special here, both the, if there's a guy I'm picking, I'm picking Javante just because of the upside there and the ability long-term um, just take over the role. But I, I'm not. I'm not super excited about the run, um, the running game in Denver, just because of the backfield. 
uh, mayhem that's really presented itself in Denver. Unless one of these guys were to get hurt, um, it's really hard to rate these guys any higher than a flex or a low-end RB2. And uh, just to clarify, it doesn't sound like you think uh, Javante Williams is uh, in line for a a second half of the year breakout unless Melvin Gordon gets hurt. Is that correct? Yeah, because if that was the case, they would have traded him at the deadline. I don't know if – continue. I don't mean to cut you off there. If they didn't trade him at the deadline, like then they plan on using him. I think that's pretty fair. He's on the it's on the last year of this deal, and we know that Denver just shipped out Von Miller thirty minutes ago because he was on the same situation. Like so, they've already kind of put it in their at least in their brain that like, yeah, they want to say that they weren't tanking. In that, like, I understand that Von Miller was a, a special circumstance, just in the fact that like. You usually don't get a second and a third round pick for a guy who only has eight games left on his contract. But when you make that decision, you've already you've sent a signal to your team that you're not trying to go for the Super Bowl, at least this year. I think that's fair to say. So when you make that decision and then you follow that up by not trading Melvin Gordon, at least from the front office perspective, they plan on Melvin Gordon still being a part of that football team at least in the capacity that he was in before. So there's nothing from a team perspective to let the fancy manager or me believe that Javante Williams is going to take this rollover. The only reason that we believe that he is going to take this rollover is that maybe he should take this rollover and the draft capital behind it. But at the end of the day in fancy football, we have to go off of what's happening on the football field and what these coaches are making the decisions on and they're still giving, making decisions to give Melvin Gordon the ball just enough to make Javante Williams a flex option. Yeah, I, I agree with that for the most part. I do think there's at least a chance Javante Williams takes over the role. Um, I don't necessarily think that people were willing to trade anything for uh, Melvin Gordon. So that's part of the reason that I don't necessarily think that even if they were uh, planning to make um, – if they even if they were planning to make uh, shoot Javante Williams the starter and wanted to trade Melvin Gordon, I don't know if they were able to get anything that um, they would actually that would actually make it worth worth their while to trade him. I don't I don't really know what people would trade for Melvin Gordon. He's been around for a while. He's got a lot of usage. He could, I would imagine he's probably not got too much time left in the tank. I mean, hopefully he does. But as far as running backs go it's hard to give up value draft capital for that so um it would have been interesting to see what somebody would have traded for him um, but i don't think it would have been that much but i do still even though i think there is a chance that javante takes over the role i do tend to agree though that i i have a hard time believing that they just stopped giving carries to melvin gordon because what's the reason you're just you're just putting more wear and tear on javante williams in in like you said a year that you've already told everybody you're not trying to win the super also, uh, I agree, but I think in a if you're able to get him cheap, Javante Williams, that is, I think he's a really interesting guy to have on your roster. I'm just not not telling you that he's that I'm confident that that's going to happen or that I'd be giving up a lot for it. But if you're able to get some sort of screaming deal, maybe you do. Uh, but moving on to our next matchup here, Chiefs Raiders Sunday night game. It should be a pretty interesting divisional game here. It's got 
some pretty big implications as far as who can make the playoffs here. The Chiefs, they're really going to need a win. I mean, they're five and four, but they don't want to get let the Raiders get that close in the, the – the Raiders would actually take the lead in the division – or not the lead in the division, but it would take – we'd get ahead of the Chiefs if the Chiefs were to lose. So, um, Chiefs need a win here. Raiders been looking pretty solid this year. I mean, you're playing your usual suspects. You're playing John, uh, Josh, Josh Jacobs. Uh, Derek Carr is a very, very outer, very much outer fringe uh, quarterback play this week. Um, yeah, and then you're playing Tyree Kill and Travis Kelsey on the other side, and Patrick Mahomes, of course. But um, we talked a little bit about Hunter Renfro already. Just a, you know where you stand with him. He's always going to get you at least at least ten points, um, but never going to be a, a huge going to get you a huge amount. Um, not a super interesting game for fantasy, I wouldn't say. Um, definitely going to be an interesting game in reality, but I don't think there's much uh, much unexpected that will go on in this game. Uh, Gabby, do you disagree with that? No, I think uh, for the most part it's going to be pretty straightforward. Um, not a lot of like disarray or anything that we aren't really seeing there. Yeah, I mean, I think we know who's going to get the points for each team, which is kind of funny. I mean, it's just going to come down to what the, the end tallies actually result in. I mean, there was a little bit of uh, worry last week, I mean, about Derek Gore. Is he going to start taking some of the role, for the, the running back role uh, from Daryl Williams? That, that did not happen, just to make sure people are aware of that. Daryl Williams got 19 carries last week and, and uh, three – three receptions. So he uh, was still very much involved, still a solid play this week. Uh, Clyde is not back yet. So uh, definitely keep an eye out for him, but um, don't expect him back yet. Um, but he is, he, Clyde is designated to return from IR, uh, which just means he can come, become activated anytime in the next three weeks. So could happen this week, but uh, doesn't sound like it's going to um, and play Daryl Williams with confidence until until that does. Uh, but moving on to our last matchup here, Gabby, I'm going to let you talk us through this one. It's an NFC West divisional matchup, Rams versus the 49ers. Take it away, Gabby. Rams versus 49ers here. Um, something. So let's, let's just sit down and talk about it here for a second. Uh, Cooper Cup, best player in fantasy now that Derrick Henry is out, has been on a tear. Uh, we thought he was Let's just let's step back for a second and admire what this man's done. Um, just a peek behind a curtain here. I made the smart decision this year in drafting him as my wide receiver one. And it's looking like one of the best decisions I've ever made in my fantasy career. And this is the guy who picked OBJ like twice. But uh, going back to Cooper Cup, um, he's been – he's legitimately been on pace to be the greatest wide receiver in fantasy history. Do I think he's going to continue that pace? No. I think that's ridiculous. But he's he's been on that pace so far. Um, but, like, going back into this matchup a little bit more, I, I do think that um, obviously you're starting him. Daryl Henderson has been a little bit of a, a lull last week with only eight points. I think he's an interesting by low candidate as well. 
um, just given that they've been so productive. This offense is either them or the Buccaneers are the best offenses in football right now. And you want a running back in that offense. That was our whole argument for CEH last year or even this year. It wasn't necessarily that CEH is necessarily a good running back. It's that he's the starting running back in question, questionably the best offense in the league. And at that point, unquestionably the best offense in football. And you want that running back. And it's the same argument for Daryl Henderson, but he's actually been producing to the point where it's going to cost you a little bit more to get him, but it might, it's going to be worth it, especially in the, down the stretch because the NFC, I think something you need to consider here too now is with one more week uh, of regular season games, it adds one more variable for teams to not sit players. Meaning, let's, let's look for instance in the NFC. It looks like uh, coming back at it. If I were to predict, the Buccaneers looking at their looking at everybody's schedule, the Buccaneers have the easiest schedule to the one seed. But now there's only one one seed. And it's not necessarily the Bucks might slip up once or twice. And if they slip up once or twice, they won't have the luxury of being able to sit everybody for week 18, meaning that everybody is going to be still viable and still like a legitimate weapon down the stretch. Meaning I think the Rams are still going to be playing football in week 18. And I think more teams are going to be playing at the end of the season compared to years like years past. And I think that's going to be, coming to the play when it comes to like guys such as Daryl Henderson, people that we in years past, for instance, like we kind of would be, we would obviously pick the chiefs, but we would know that maybe like they wouldn't be playing at the year's end because they would be 14 and zero and they would have nothing to play for. But now with these new schedule changes, I don't think that's going to be a factor as much as it was in years past. And I think now that Daryl Henderson is a per, this is a, going to be the one and only time that you're going to be able to get him before people realize how good he's really been. Because if he pops off once, one more time, people are going to look at his stat line and go, oh, he's RB, he's an RB1 right, low-end RB1 right now, and he has the potential to win weeks. Yes, we p- people were telling you to go get him now, but I think this is going to be your last, it's, it's closing call. It's last call for Dale Henderson. So if you're not able to to go buy your drinks for him now. Um, I, I don't think that you're going to be able to do that. But going back to the matchup, yes, I know I've been rambling on for a little bit here. You're uh, good, dude. <laughs> I think uh, they've – I think the Rams are going to cruise on out of here and on the 49ers side. Um, I'm waiting for uh, Trey Lance to come in. Um, the 49ers just have not looked as good as they should have been. And what's Kyle Shanahan's excuse? Um, I don't have players. Yes, they've been hurt, but like not to the extent. Like they should have been, they should be better than they've been performing so far. They don't have an excuse to lose the Colt McCoy led Cardinals team. I don't care where you are. You can be in Tijuana. You need to win that football game. So um I think Kyle Shannon has to do some reflecting. He needs to look into the mirror. And his job is gonna start looking on the line. He's telling his resume. And he doesn't win a lot of football games, especially when Jimmy G is not there. And like I, like we outlaid a little bit earlier on in our podcast, but I think when I think saving Kyle Shannon's season is just to go. Yeah, we're playing Trey Lance now, so now all these wins don't really matter because they're not winning their division. And if unless they go on a crazy run on the second half of the season, I'm meaning. 
losing zero to two games at maximum. Um, they're not making the playoffs. So I don't know. I think this is going to be a divisional game. So it tends to be a little bit lower scoring, but I, I do think the players are pretty straightforward. I just wanted to talk about like outside the NFL a little bit, non fancy for a bit, but sorry about that. No, you're good. Um, I do think, uh, I mean, a point outside of the NFL or outside of fantasy and also uh, relevant to fantasy is just like you mentioned, um, a lot of teams are going to still be at the end of the season, be vying for playoff positioning and not so many players getting benched. I mean, there's no teams this year that are undefeated that are just blowing everybody out of the water. So, um, yeah, I think what you said is super true. The, the competition is really close in the NFL right now. Everybody should still be in play at the end of the season. Um, so that's a nice thing that you don't have to worry about too much this year. Uh, but it is something to keep in mind in case somebody does end up pulling away close to the end of the season. Um, maybe their players do get benched in playoffs for you. So make sure you know when your playoffs run. Sometimes players, um, teams will, or leagues will have playoffs into uh, week 18 and some will have playoffs just end in week 17. So uh, make sure you know how your league is doing it. Um, but yeah, I continuing on with just the players, I just, uh, George Kittle clearly uh, is back for fantasy and uh, is a great play this week. Um, obviously and every week moving forward, but he is fully back. Don't worry about him at all. He got 20 fantasy points for you and he's ready to go. Um, I was thinking that Elijah Mitchell has pretty well got this backfield locked up, but I wanted to see, ask you, Gabby, are you afraid that Kyle Shanahan does a mix up? And, and also for the record, I do think that if the 49ers were to let him go, I think that would be a huge mistake and whatever team then hired him subsequently after that would be getting an awesome head coach. I think that the um, his record hasn't been great, but the uh, story is a little bit more complicated than that. Uh, Nick Mullins, I don't really blame Kyle Shanahan for not getting a ton of wins with Nick Mullins playing so much. So um, I am definitely pro Kyle Shanahan, um, even though I'm definitely not a 49ers fan. Um, but Gabby, how are we feeling about the 49ers backfield? Are we still thinking – uh, are, are, you, are we thinking that there's any chance that uh, Elijah Mitchell gets surplanted as the, the clear number one there? No, I don't think there's a chance. Um, I think he's proven with the work that he's gotten and the opportunities that he's taken advantage of that. He's the guy. It's his job to lose, even with Jeff Wilson. Uh, bound to return here in a couple weeks now. Oh, my I, I think it's going to be Elijah Mitchell. He doesn't really catch the ball a lot. That's when Jermichael Hasey comes in. So that's something to consider. And I think that's where Jeff Wilson will make a name for himself. But when it comes to early down situations, I think it's definitely Elijah Mitchell. And uh, for the record, Jeff Wilson did actually return last week. He just uh, didn't get a single snap. But uh, it was his first week back. So we'll see if that changes. But um, And then you mentioned Daryl Henderson. I just wanted to uh, – agree and prove that if you are able to get Gerald Henderson still, I would love that. Um, but yeah, he's, it's not necessarily clear. Um, or it, it's not necessarily going to be an easy task, excuse me. But um, another thing on the 49ers is Debo Samuel has been banged up. Um, and we didn't mention it earlier when we were talking about Brandon Ayuk, but I think that's another reason um, that 
another reason to boost Brandon Ayuk a little bit. If Debo Samuel does miss time, I think Brandon Ayuk becomes a, a significantly better fantasy option. Um, and so just make sure you keep an eye on Debo Samuel every week. I mean, he's pretty injury prone. It seems like he should be fine uh, moving forward, um, even though he did have a bit of a calf injury last week. But uh, definitely a guy to just always monitor. And um, if he does go down and you can still get Brandon Ayuk, I would definitely do that. But uh, any last pieces in that matchup, Gabby? I know we've we've talked about it quite a bit, but any last pieces that you wanted to talk about before we uh, get to our last pieces of the show? Mm-hmm. No, not particularly. I oh, I do want to talk about uh, just Van Jefferson here for a second. Um, I I think he's a speculative ad. Um, he's a little bit in the Deshaun Jackson mold of. I think he has a role, and I think his role is the opposite of Hunter Renfro. Um, you like to talk a little bit of crap about Hunter Renfro, but he holds a part on a, on a championship team, and his role is I, – I want to outlay it for our viewers here just to kind of paint the picture of when is the perfect time to play Hunter Renfro. I love playing Hunter Renfro in a situation where I'm projected to win. For instance, when – I played him a couple weeks ago when he played at one o'clock and I looked at my matchup and I was a 60% chance winner. And I had Ty Lockett in at the time. And I looked at my last up and I was like, I don't want to come back, look at my phone in three hours after watching all these games and see that Tyler Lockett got five points. I rather know that I'm going to get the 12. So I put in Hunter Renfro and I guess what? I got 13. So I think Hunter Renfro has a really good spot here. And I think going off of that, Van Jefferson is the complete opposite. If you need a big game, and let's say an instance I was down and I had a 40% chance of winning um, based off of ESPN's projections or whatever, um, that's the time when I would want to play a guy like Van Jefferson, someone that, okay, I might lose this matchup anyway, but if I win, Van Jefferson is going to be because of Van Jefferson. So I think he's a guy that I definitely would be looking to add right now, um, especially going down the stretch. Because And also there's another thing with him is if there was something to happen to one of those top two wide receivers, Woods or Cup, he would be the guy and he would be a top 25 wide receiver automatically given how high power that offense is in his role in the offense. Because he wouldn't not – just not get the deep threat targets anymore. He would just be on the field more, maybe even get a little bit more of those intermediate and short routes. Okay, I have a, I have some follow-ups. Uh, first with the Hunter Renfro stuff. Um, yeah, I agree that Hunter Renfro has that role, but I would still almost always be looking to pivot away from him. Uh, if you were going to pick somebody who had um, about the same chance of getting a big week as uh, current day Jerry Rice, yeah, then maybe you pick Tyler Lockett over him. But Tyler Lockett with Geno Smith is not a good play. I think we all know that. So, yeah, Hunter Renfro was ahead of him in that situation. But I don't think that's crazy. But other than that, Hunter Renfro is little to no value in a 10-man league. He's the wide receiver 30, which is solid. But he averages 13 points, and he pretty much gets you that every week. I mean, if you're confident, confident, like you're 100% sure you're going to win, then, yeah, I guess he's a pretty good solid play. But 
if there's any chance that you're not going to win, I'd be looking to put somebody else in. He's just so consistently going to get you 12, which I guess is, is fine. But I just would so much rather have some upside. Um, Cause you never know what's going to happen. Like for me this last week, I was almost guaranteed to win and uh, Chase Edmonds got hurt right away and I almost lost. So I'm always, I'm not, I'm not really looking to bet on Hunter Renfro. And I, I just wanted to put that out there that he is, he's, I see where you're coming from in that, in that statement. And I think it makes sense, but I still personally, I'm just not a fan of what he brings to your team and would be trying to look elsewhere. But I hear where you're coming from on the, if you are projected to win, maybe be a little bit more conservative. And I endorse that, that thought process, just not necessarily around Hunter Renfro. Um, but when you mentioned Van Jefferson, I touched on this a little bit uh, earlier between him and Donovan Peoples-Jones, but I'm curious. I think they're really similar type of players. Do you, are you more interested in rostering Van Jefferson than Donovan Peoples-Jones or are you a, uh, or vice versa? Uh, I would go with the offense. So I would go with Van Jefferson in that instance. Van Jefferson just is not, for me, I'd go the opposite. And the only reason is, uh, Van Jefferson recently has not been super, uh, super good. He started out a little bit better and has been uh, more mediocre recently. And Donovan Peoples-Jones is still a little bit of a mystery as we haven't seen him uh, really grow and mature or fit into the offense without OBJ yet, um, other than just the one week. So I'm interested what the, the future could hold as far as the involvement for Donovan Peoples-Jones, and I would rather – Rather take the bet on that, um, but that's the only reason. And I, I definitely, I think it's really close, and I wouldn't blame anybody for going the other direction on that um, because you know the offense is pretty dang good in, in uh, Los Angeles and worth betting on. But um, I wanted to go back to an earlier point we made, you made in uh, this whole uh, thing about Cooper Cup and um, the whole matchup with uh, talking about the Rams here. Uh, but you mentioned that Cooper Cup if he continues on this pace would be the greatest fantasy receiver of all time. Um, and I just wanted to illustrate that um, numbers wise for the fantasy listeners. And so I was curious if, if you would guess uh, Randy Moss had the number one fantasy uh, points or fantasy season of all time, 24 PPR fantasy points per game. And this is for wide receivers, of course, 24.08 PPR fantasy points per game. Do you know what Cooper Cup's current average is? Uh, isn't it like, I think it's like 25. I mean, it just went down a little bit. It was at 27. So. It's at it's at 26.2. So he's a whole two points higher than what the highest ever would be. And uh, I don't really know, to be honest, this is, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be honest with the listeners. I don't really know what you do with that information. Um, you can't you can't really trade for a guy who's better than him. Obviously, he's the number one maybe of all time, but it is unlikely that he continues at that pace. So um, he's an interesting situation. I can't wait to see how it unfolds. Um, but yeah, I it's a it's a gift and a curse having Cooper Cup because you almost know it's going to start regressing, but it's just been incredible so far. So kind of an interesting situation there to watch as the season unfolds. But again, 
I wouldn't really I wouldn't trade him for anybody because who's better than Cooper Cup? But again, interesting. But any uh, any last any last points to make on on this matchup, Gabby, or any of the others that we've covered? No. All right. Um, I'm going to do our defensive streaming options pretty quick here, just because we've we've gone long and uh, no need to get too far into it. But uh, in order, best uh, streaming options uh, for defenses this week, in my opinion, we got Tennessee, who's playing New Orleans. Uh, they're playing Houston. Tennessee is playing Houston next week, so uh, that's why I get them this week. New Orleans, not sure who the quarterback is going to be, even probably not going to put up a lot of points. Um, and then playing Houston next week. If you get Tennessee, you got a good defense for two weeks in a row. So a great option this week. Um, Pittsburgh versus Detroit, probably about as good as New Orleans or as Tennessee's defense this week, but not as good of a second uh, option next week. So I put them lower. Um, but Baltimore versus Miami, maybe no Tua, even if there is a Tua. Um, Miami is not a very good team, and Baltimore should dominate. Uh, Indianapolis playing Jacksonville. Indianapolis was disappointing for you last week. They just kind of went up by a ton, like 45, and then just said, uh, we don't think you can catch up Jets. Uh, so they just let the Jets score as many points as they possibly could until the clock ran out. And, uh, of course, Indianapolis still won, but the defense got you um, zero in most ESPN leagues, um, depending on your scoring, but did pretty bad for you in Indianapolis. But um, – I expect that to be just an outlier and uh, versus Jacksonville, I expect them to be good again. So um, Denver versus Philadelphia, that's the the last one on the list. Number five. Uh, I just think that Denver has a underratedly solid defense um, in Philadelphia. I don't have too much confidence in, and I think this is at the very least a pretty low scoring game. Um, honorable mention goes out to the team, the teams that I think would be great plays, but are, very, very likely to be rostered in your league, uh, both Buffalo playing New York uh, Jets and Arizona playing the Carolina Panthers. Um, both Buffalo and Arizona are probably rostered in your league, but they're great plays, obviously, if you have them. So uh, that's everything for us tonight. We appreciate you tuning in, listening to us. Follow us on, uh, on Twitter at SG Fantasy Show. Again, we'll be answering start-sit decisions on there. Um, on Sunday, an hour before kickoff. So send them to us there if you have any questions, and we'd love to answer them for you. Um, but again, thanks for listening to us, and uh, catch you next time.